Albuquerque's macro-aggression, Eddie Aragon, the rock of talk. I'm Eddie Aragon, the Rock of Talk on AM 1600, KIBABQ.FM, is the Everybody call in Texas afternoon, a bit of a somber afternoon because uh, we're dealing with uh, a potential evacuation of Angel Fire, New Mexico. You can catch us on Roku TV, Amazon Fire, and Apple TV, podcasting on Citrus SoundCloud and Spotify. And uh, you can also find us directly at rockoftalk.tv and rockoftalk.com. Dowd will be uh, joining us shortly. He's got a disaster of his own. I guess it's his, uh, well, hopefully he'll be able to uh, go ahead and join us. But um, so here's the front page of the Albuquerque Journal. And that's a place that I go pretty much every Memorial Day, okay? And that is the Memorial. And there's about 30,000 bikers who head up there and all sorts of people who get out on the highway uh, and the byways, 434. They take it up there. And uh, that's not going to be happening this year because of the fires. Now, the weather has died down about 50%. In terms of the wind speeds, they have uh, cut by, been cut by 50%. But that doesn't seem to be no end in sight. And um, there's a little place. And I know some of you guys uh, will take the other road out of Angel Fire. We'll call it the, black, uh, the back road towards Black Lake. And through Guadalupita, if uh, that rings any bells for any of you. And it really is a uh, sacred part of northern New Mexico because it's the Sangre de Cristo Mountains. That's back there. And then you go up to Truchas and come back down on the other side. I mean, it is a very, it's a glorious place. It really, truly is. It's a great place. And you come back and you can do uh, a little walk through Chimayo and Española, grab some tacos and head back. That area is going to be destroyed. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it, it's hard because that llama farm, Yama farm has been there forever. Okay. And you always stop there. You always take pictures. And then right through Mora, you stop, you get some coffee. You get the, what we call the Mora berries. The Mora berries. We always get the Mora berries that are through there. Little raspberries that they have. And they're so good. And that place is just totally devastated right now. That whole area. It's never going to be the same in the near future because uh, this is now likely to become the biggest fire in the history of this state. Now, you see Michelle, let's, oh my gosh, I guess we have to politicize this like she's doing. She's on the wrong side of this argument. You're likely going to let her off the hook. The news media is doing what it can. I haven't watched much of it. I can only imagine they're trying not to blame her. Or they're going to give a mic to Michelle Lujan Grisham and, and then put it in front of her and say, oh, well, this is the force service. This is their problem. They created this. This is a prescribed burn. We anticipated that. Why would there be a prescribed burn in the first place? At a time in which the winds are the highest. And you can track winds throughout the year, you know, average wind speeds, and they're always the worst. In fact, that's one of the reasons why we hate April. One of the reasons why we disdain Good Friday. You always know you get those big wind gusts in the springtime in uh, New Mexico, and particularly in northern New Mexico. Why would the Forest Service decide to go ahead and start doing prescribed burns at a time in which winds are highest and the area is near its driest? 
And if it's federal land that is being controlled, what is she so worried about getting out in front of it? I'll tell you, that's where the rub is. Uh, we've got several gubernatorial candidates uh, who are, you know, circling through there, trying to provide, I don't know, some sort of communication, letting people know that they care. But the long and the short of it is that the people don't care. Michelle Lujan Grissom is still the same person who, you know, chided and got after the people of Española, got after the people of northern New Mexico. She hardly visits northern New Mexico. That's a stronghold. I mean, you have party registration somewhere in like uh, the 17, 18% for Republicans in Taos County alone. On the other side in Colfax County, well, a lot of Republicans, folks, from Red River right on down to Eagle's Nest and Angel Fire, okay? Good 10, 12,000 uh, uh, Republicans uh, registered all the way through there up to, uh, I would say even Raton is, is almost there. We may be careful about the next thing that I'm going to say, because okay? I, I don't know how far how much to blame somebody. But you might remember, you know, I said, oh, well, Rome burned, Nero fiddled, right? Literally, that's what happened. Michelle Lujan Grisham, in exactly nine days from now, is supposed to get married. She needs to go ahead and cut that off if she has any chance, in my opinion, of trying to retain her position. I don't think she's going to, because I don't think she's going to go ahead and say, well, you know what? Uh, we want this, uh, all the uh, pomp and circumstance of a Joe Biden, Kamala Harris attendance at my wedding for them to recognize, you know, my nuptials with uh, my, my Beau Cordova, right? Can you imagine the optics and how that is going to look if she's up in Washington, D.C., while you have a national disaster being declared in the state of New Mexico? I want to go back and, and really examine when she decided to go ahead and make that announcement. I mean, there's a lot of people using the word narcissistic, right? And they're always talking about narcissism it, everywhere. Toxic, narcissism, caustic, you know, they, these people, like every, it's, it's everywhere. It just get thrown, throws around all the time. However, the news media and voters generally don't aim that cannon towards Michelle Lujan Grisham. Everyone's afraid of, you know, being chased or audited or, they're going to come and get you, or I'm afraid what they're going to do to my business, or, you know, they, they always got some sort of weird excuse as to why they need to register a Democrat, and they need to go ahead and worship at the altar of Michelle Lujan Grisham. Stop it. Stop it. You're enabling a monster here. But she don't give a crap. Even as late as last week, they were still writing about her and her mother's day being without her mom. And with all due respect to the departed, There's a far larger crisis here in the state of New Mexico, and she enabled it. Let me tell you how. Quite simple. There's two very powerful politicians. The first, Deb Holland. The second, Martin Heinrich. You have the Department of the Interior, right, and Deborah Holland, responsible for the lands. And what's Deborah Holland focused on? She's focused on the atrocities that are affecting, not that they don't need to be examined, the Native American community. That's the focus. If you look at the last AP stories that are coming out right now, all the AP stories are directly from what? They're directly towards that. They're not talking about the massive amount of wildfires in northern New Mexico. That's her focus. She's from central New Mexico. I doubt she's even really been, been up there. So she did live in Rio Rancho for a time. You don't have to be a congresswoman and live there. She did 
terrible house. Then there's Martin Heinrich. Martin Heinrich has been advancing the cause of the federal government controlling forestation. And then you have the state government telling people they can't chop trees, they can't go get cords of wood, they can't decide to go ahead and find Christmas trees for people. They stopped that. Is the local media going to hold Martin Heinrich, Deb Holland, and Michelle Lujan Grisham responsible for the forest fires in northern Mexico, not to mention their influence on the Forest Service? If you go back and you look at the history, you see that they had been advancing the cause for the federal government to have control more and more and more and more of the local lands here in the state of New Mexico. This is historic. We have never had this number of business failures. We have never had this much of the forest burning. We have never had this much of trailing the rest of the country. And I guarantee the news media, as well as Joe Monahan and everybody else, is going to find a seam and exploit it and figure out a way to go ahead and point the finger at anybody but Democrats and anybody but our leadership. They own every single thing here. Like, there is zero chance that this has anything to do with a Republican, anything to do with rich people, anything to do with anybody but the Democrats. And what what do you have? You have a bunch of idiots out there flying Trump flags and saying, we're going to start a rally or just going to focus on... Trump's over. Stop that. The fight's out there on the field with these people on these issues today. We're not going to go ahead and uh, regurgitate the whole entire thing, but unfair elections, all that. Yeah, we, we look at, anyway, I, I don't want to even touch the uh, the, race, the political races right now because it's an embarrassment other than the gubernatorial race right now, which, by the way, I believe that we're going to have our best chance. We are going to have our best chance to unseat Michelle Lujan Grisham. If we don't make it here, look at the cycles overall. And thanks to the uh, good man out there for uh, providing that insight. I didn't think about the cycles. 22, 26, 30, those are the next gubernatorial cycles. The next Senate cycles are 24, 26, 30, and 32. They're staggered in such a way to go ahead and keep control and keep the masses contained. Masses, we're talking about 2 million people. In the state of Mexico, people are leaving. You can forget tourism. You can forget people coming in from Texas and Oklahoma, in addition to the mask, in addition to all the shutdowns and the mandatory vaccine and the, the fact that there's hardly any businesses open. Let's compound that with the fact that we got to empty out northern New Mexico and fully destroy it because the federal government wants to control all of it. And your local leadership is helping and enabling them at every turn. If I'm wrong, I'd love to hear about that. What's your viewpoint? What do you think? What's happening? And maybe some of the people from northern New Mexico can start to speak up about some of this. Los Alamos has been contained. Sure, of course, of course. Highest, uh, highest gene pool, right? <laughs> My gosh. Some of the worst people are up in there. Those people are totally aloof, maintaining their progressivism, despite how intelligent they are, mandatory in these uh, vaccinations. Like the menu of items to hit Michelle Lujan Grisham on is so vast, it's so large, and the Democrats are responsible. Now you have Harry Montoya. No, not Harry Montoya. Uh, what was it? I think it's Roger Montoya. Sorry, Harry Montoya is the Republican that's running, I believe, 
or state treasurer. I don't know. I, I forget which one. Harry, you have to reach out to me. I, I don't know. There's been a poor job of marketing on pretty much every single Republican candidate with the, with the exception of two. Overall, I, you don't even know who's running. So poor. So pay attention. Hold these people accountable. Whatever you can possibly do to make some noise in your neighborhoods, in your streets, on TV, in the opinion polls, write to the journal. The journal's doing some work now. All of a sudden, told you that. I mean, there's a reason to actually pick up the newspaper once again. I think I finally chided them from calling them the Albuquerque urinal and saying, well, what is, is this journalism? I think we finally got them. I think we finally got them to start doing responsible journalism. They're actually running stories on abortion in the state of New Mexico. Unbelievably. They shine a light on some of these things that have happened. And the lawsuit that was awarded, you saw that just two days ago when we had Elisa Martinez on the, on the program. So this is important. And I hope that you guys do what you can to go ahead and maintain some level of awareness for your neighbors and your friends and not just sort of let them get caught up on CRT or what other, uh, the, the Supreme Court, uh, you know, Joe Biden, got, look at gas prices. In addition, compounding what's happening in northern Mexico with the fact that you're not going to be able to camp and, and various other things, and it's going to take years to recover. Maybe, maybe a decade or more, to be honest. You saw that front page, and there's the Veterans Memorial Center. Vietnam Veterans Memorial Center. It's beautiful. Hardly anybody ever attends when, when, when it's out there. It's kind of amazing. I go out there with the kids. There's this little beam of light that comes through man built it for the, his son that he lost. I've been going there every year. I think I, I, I'm pretty sure I took doubt up there. Pretty incredible. So with, on that somber not, note, we're going to go ahead and take a quick break. I'm going to run straight to break. No music uh, coming out of this because there's really nothing to uh, celebrate up there. Those are huge incomes and the most expensive homes in the entire state are right in that area. That's a big deal. One of the heads of the, the one of the Oklahoma uh, oil companies has his home up there. $10 million home. Okay. Pretty incredible. All right. Back and forth. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in. And uh, we'll see if uh, Dowd jumps back in on the show. All right, 425 here in the Kiva. So if you're going to ask me for a meeting the next day, you, you probably don't want to tell me the meetings at uh, about 430 in the afternoon. <laughs> you always get those requests like, well, we need to meet tomorrow. Uh, well, I have a full day of uh, recording here uh, all day long uh, here in the Kiva. I'm by the way, on this day, back in the day, that would be, what was it, 1965? That uh, song was released, ladies and gentlemen. And of course, I can't get no satisfaction. Uh, 550, 5500. I don't think we're going to see uh, Mr. Satisfaction himself today. I think he is out, and that would be D. Dowd Musk up. So uh, we'll uh, go ahead and continue uh, here uh, with, with the show. Now, I, I want to talk a little bit about something that's a little awkward because so much about Roe v. Wade. And I mean, you want to start to talk about the, the real caring about children. 
Democrats use babies as children. Democrats are constantly saying, oh, it's for the children, for the children. For I mean, the irony that God is striking us with right now is kind of unbelievable. Because this was, again, like all the crises that seem to happen, COVID included, are all manufactured crises. President Joe Biden is stepping up his administration's response to a nationwide baby formula shortage that has forced frenzied parents into online groups to swap and sell to each other to keep their babies pet. What is wrong with us? How are we in the richest country in the world where parents are having to go online to swap for baby formula? It's one of the most ridiculous things I may have ever heard. And baby formula, there, there's two there's two outs here, right? Breastfeeding, why isn't the mom breastfeeding? You know, you, oh, well, I got the COVID shot. I'm not really sure that I want to, bre- yes, that conversation is happening. I know, I know, right, right? Oh, yeah, we didn't see that coming. People don't want to breastfeed. That's the other, you know, choice right there, but. We got ourselves into this situation because this is the way they set it up. Supply and demand. White House says Biden spoke Thursday with executives from manufacturers Reckitt and Gerber about how they could increase production. Now, let's just change all the players here. Your gas. Oh, you knew where I was going with this. Your gas. Why is it so expensive? Why is there nothing available? We cut out Keystone. We cut out XL Pipeline. It's like, well... We're swapping things so we can go ahead and we're swapping different types of, uh, of transportation so we can satisfy ourselves. We're going to go ahead and uh, carpool to work. You got that happening in other states. Joe Biden creates that. And yet you're going to let him off the hook thinking that, well, I don't know, you know, formula, people, you know, you can find that stuff for days, years, months, up until Joe Biden became president. Eddie, you're being unfair. It wasn't always that easy to find. Leaders from Walmart and Target need to restock their shelves. Joe Biden's getting involved. Boy, hold on. Hold my beer. Let me overthink this and totally ruin another situation. The shortage stems from a supply chain disruptions and safety recalls. Now, let's think about the safety recalls for a second. Do I want my child to starve or are we going to really be overly sensitive? Is the helicopter mom situation gotten so bad? With all this, is there a coordinated effort to restrict the number? Like, if we can't starve your families one way, we're going to starve them another way. And by the way, starvation is coming. Not to the United States this year, but probably in the near future. I would probably say within two to three years. Uh, I, I think Glenn Beck is listening to my show. It's weird. We're like two days ahead of him on all that. I talked about that on Monday. Retailers are limiting what customers can buy, and doctors are urging parents to contact food banks, physicians' offices, as well as warning against watered-down formula making do-it-yourself. No, don't do that. We don't want you to do that. Let the government, let the, the professionals handle that for you. We saw how well that worked out during COVID. A baby formula shortage. Who does that attack? Does that uh, attack the LGBTQ community? Does that at- attack a single... You know, uh, Democrats that are out there, which the majority of, of them are. Have you looked at that? Have you guys looked at the uh, the familial rates of Democrats versus Republicans? I invite you to do so. At the risk of uh, completely sounding totally callous, 
Democrats aren't really into building families, folks. They're really into freedom, and they think that the government's out to take it as long as there's a, if there is a Republican involved. But this is a ridiculous story. Completely and totally unavoidable, much like what we saw with oil and gas, yet it's going to happen anyway. 550-5500 here at the bottom of the hour. We're going to uh, try to stay on, on clock now, by the way, and uh, try to do that uh, moving forward, getting lots of positive response. Uh, thanks, Josh, for listening. Uh, way out there in Washington, D.C., and uh, as always, we appreciate everybody tuning in. We've been doing our fourth hour as a uh, wrap on the national show or not wrap with a national show, and that'll be an hour long. So we're looking forward to uh, doing all that. Back after a quick break uh, here in the Kiva on AM 1600, KIVABQ.FM, rockoftalk.com, 430, back and forth. Vicious and, and all the like uh, back here uh, on this day in 77. Uh, they're dropped by both AM and EMI in less than six months. The Sex Pistols signed with, there you go, uh, Richard Branson, the only success uh, he maybe uh, has ever had. Uh, it's all been all downhill, all marketing fluff and all the rest of that. D Dowd Muska happens to be uh, joining us back in the Kiva. Let's see if he's, he's there. Check. Me. Hello, 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 hello. Uh, Branson, Branson's a guy who peaked early. He peaked very, very early. He hasn't had a good couple of decades. <laughs> well, that, that couldn't go without noticing now. Just uh, that was the only uh, success yep. that he is truly, I guess, could be responsible for. And it was a bit of a PR stunt, of course. And then he thought that that was the way to do everything. Now, Branson never graduated high school. That's correct. Yeah, he uh, has no education. Um, he is not a learned man. And uh, he seems to be somehow uh, connected uh, via all the bloodlines to some uh, executive privilege, let's just call it. And so uh, he's he, got real white privilege. <laughs> yeah, under the definition of uh, white woke privilege is uh, a picture of uh, Richard Branson. Let's get to some uh, text before uh, we bring uh, D. Dowd Muska headlong uh, into the show. Hopefully, you got my text there, D. Dowd Muska. I think it's time oh. for uh, a new computer there. Uh, what oh, do you got an extra thousand dollars to give me? <laughs> uh, no, I don't have an extra thousand dollars, but you're part okay. of the show, and I think we need to go out and uh, shop around. You know, my mama told me you better right. shop around. Uh, how about an Apple? What do you think? I think Apple products are a good way to go. Yeah, I mean, my phone and my tablet are both Apple, so well, yeah. uh, wouldn't it make sense to kind of just uh, you know kind of go with the full suite of hardware? Uh, so to prevent these issues, is, is that is that a transition you can make? Can you go from <laughs> uh, Can you go from Gates to Cook? 
Is that something that you can do? Or uh, maybe, maybe if somebody offers me a raise. <laughs> oh wow! Look at that. He's literally negotiating on air. That's. Let's take some brass balls to do that. Uh, we'll see. We'll see how that goes. I was feeling pretty generous, and uh, we'll see <clears throat> how I feel uh, after the show. I'm a generous guy. I'm just a jealous guy too. I'm I'm all sorts of guys, but uh, we'll see what we can do. Dowd's a little uh, edgy today because of the uh, computer. That's why I used to work on desktop computer support. I don't know if anybody ever knows this, but uh, if you go back in my history, I uh, supported a pod of a, a gang of idiots of about 450 people whose main focus in life was to check email, be able to get to their contact manager, which we used to ro use Rolodex, uh, right? You remember Rolodex, writing things down, then writing things down the back of the card? You know, that that was actually... I still prefer that way. I have all of the cards, business cards. You know, that's, a, I think, a great way to go. I still put a little blank space. There you go. boy. And then what happened after that? A cards, card cam sucks, by the way. Don't get the card scan or card cam. It, you would have thought that it would have had that ability to go ahead and convert it. And I just bought the uh, license uh, for it. And thinking that the modern day technology of Apple would, hey, take a picture, be able to convert the text to convert it to the database. It doesn't do that. No, you have to manually input it. So it, it does uh, truly What's suck. The point? What is the point, right? Why would I scan something into a software? It doesn't have the ability to do the, uh, o, what, what is considered something called OCR. Doubt if you could look up the acronym for that, that'd be cool. Um, OCR scanning, which allows it to convert from the graphic to actually something that you can manipulate. Optical and character recognition. There it is. So that's what uh, that's what we had. But wait and a minute, Eddie. Who were who the gang of idiots? You didn't elaborate. I'm getting to that. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> you no, know, I always have a longer path to get there. You remember, like when we went to Rio Doso, I mean, uh, when we went to Angel Fire, we'd never been to Rio Doso together, but we went to Angel Fire. Rio Doso uh -huh. is the place where you want to go now, apparently. Uh, they know how to manage uh, forests in southern New Mexico, and we got a Republican a congresswoman who's down there. It's funny how Southern New Mexico is so much better than Northern New Mexico in terms of management because uh, those people don't let themselves be abused. Mm -hmm. Unlike the people in Northern New Mexico is like, hey, vote Democrat. I'll meet you at the McDonald's for a free coffee. How are we going to talk about politics and vote for the 26-year-old over here in ESPA? So, uh, <laughs> um, I used to work with a lot of what were called, their proper title was marketing specialists. Their real title was idiots. Can you imagine me supporting 450 plus users with two people? I think we had seven offsites. Okay. I got I earned a nickname. You want to know what my nickname was? Angry Ed. Okay. Uh, my boss called me surly. He's a very surly man. Yeah. Um, but I was affectionately known as the one guy that could troubleshoot and solve any computer problem, right? That's what I did. I also went uh, an extra mile on everybody to make sure that, hey, like I would get these, and I got in early. I'd get in about 6.30, 6.45, because I was a Starbucks fiend. I was there early in the morning. I was working on the corner of 24th and Camelback in Phoenix, Arizona, which I would still say is one of my favorite places on earth. I loved it there. You know, I, I, I really just, I, I love the Biltmore area. I love that area. It's just, it, it's, it's the best part of Phoenix, uh, if you will. So <clears throat> I'd get to work. I'd come all the way. Well, uh, when I first moved there, I was living right downtown on 9th and Van Buren, the Buren boys, Van Buren boys. Right? 
and I'd went to all of the baseball games. This is how much I was loved. I saw every single home game in the 2001 home season when the D-backs. Wow. That's actually now known as the, what you call somebody from uh, Arizona, Scottsdale, you call them D-bags, right? Yeah. I can do this all night, folks. <laughs> I know my people there. Check out my car. Look at, look at this. Look at that. All right. Fine. Cool. They're nice people, right? I just like to drink a lot and, um, you know, abuse people. <laughs> so anyway, I would get there from my uh, downtown apartment or when I later on moved to 107th and uh, boy, Thomas, I want to say, out in Avondale, way out there. So, Eddie, why are you moving way out there? Because I don't want to be in Scottsdale. Like, I just didn't. I wanted to move where the stadium was. All I did was I went to games all the time. I went to go see the Arizona Cardinals. I went to go to every Diamondbacks game. Like, I went to as many um, Rattlesnake games. I don't know the Rattlers. Uh, I don't know if you know what arena football is out there, but hopefully you do. It was great. I sat next to Donovan McNabb. When Donovan McNabb was coming down, it was so funny. You would have loved this. He was coming down with his parents because that's where he summered and, and hung out. You know, he's a big, big boy. Boy, Donnie. Donnie was coming back and he's like, like, what's up? And he just, and he threw out his hand like that. And I, you know, I, I actually did mine first and I totally made him throw him. So he didn't leave me hanging. Cause we were sitting right there on the front row. You know, it was at AWA oh. arena, which was America. Okay. West Carolina. I could do this all day on this, uh, this Phoenix stuff. So, um, everybody would throw every, the people I worked for at CB Richard Ellis had so much money and so many connections. And every one of these guys was buying their season tickets. So I got to sit at every, oh, I can't make it to the game tonight. Me and the wife are going out. Oh, I can't make it to the game tonight. Me, I can't make it to the game tonight. You want them? And every single time, they say, we know Eddie goes. So we're going to give them to Eddie, right? And I'm the guy that would come in on Saturdays. I'm the guy that would go to your house and hook up your surround sound and your local oh, wow. area works. Oh, yeah. Land parties? You know what I was doing? You know, you know why I was angry? Because I couldn't wait to finish up my work as quickly as I can. <laughs> To get like three or four of the brokers and you know uh, some people up there because I would I literally set up a local area network in my computer room with like and we were playing Quake and Doom <laughs> and all this stuff and I was it was I was really good by the way I would I would stay up at uh, I would stay up until like the wee hours of the morning with my and at that time we had an electronics show or electronics uh, um, uh, store called Fries anybody know what Fries is? oh yeah of course Fries yeah huge store. Yeah. And whenever I had a free moment, MP3 players were just coming out. I remember when they just had, you know, on them and we we're downloading uh, music from Napster and Kazaa. And I would help all these people. They're like, Eddie, hey, Eddie. No, they didn't call me Ed. They call me Ed. Ed Aragon. Big Ed, big Ed, angry Ed, angry Ed, <laughs> angry Ed. So this is going to, the segment's going to go for a while, by the way. I, I, because this is, I, I can see the rest of the segment. This, this is how good this is. Vote for your new mayor of Albuquerque, angry Ed. <laughs> Did you notice I was never angry or smiling the whole entire time? That's very true. That's a good job. So, um, so I was desktop support and I'm called a LAN administrator, local area network administrator. That was my job. I was certified in something called no, I don't even know if anybody knows what this is. Novell 4.1. Yeah. And, uh, uh, Novell was very interesting. I did the three X. I trained on that at the, I literally walked into the New Mexico department of labor. I told my boss, Richard, I said, I'm only going to be here for six months. Exactly. I literally told him that I said, I want to be paid to go ahead and I want to run Novell and I'm taking all of my courses. He hired me and I did a bunch of desktop support. Now the difference between uh, uh, stupid there and stupid here was at least the stupid here went home. Right. And, and, and they didn't really care if you got 
their computers fixed. And I was just learning how to do it. I was A plus certified, network plus certified. I was uh, Cisco certified on the basic stuff, CCNA, uh, which is just a basic administrator, which you had to do. Uh, you, knew, you had to know so that you could do just basic administrative tasks uh, to connect the routers and make sure that things were running. Um, but the but the big thing was being certified, and I got my job going through a group interview. Have you ever uh, seen that uh, movie with Ben Affleck, Boiler Room? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That was my. I was the least qualified. I lied on my resume say, saying that I lived in Phoenix already because I just wanted to get the hell out of Dodge. I'm like, I'm out of here. I need to get out of Albuquerque, right? I, want, I already had my degree. I had everything that I needed. I said, I need to go and go make some money because I got it, how I got started in computers originally is really a, a bad thing. I had this nerdy guy that I knew that I was smarter than, and I was pissed off because he could fix something that I couldn't. So I'm like... Hey, well, how much do you make to it? And then he told me how much he makes. And I'm like, well, what in the hell am I doing? I'm going to go out and fix computers. Heck yeah. <laughs> this is the time where everybody, and then I got uh, what was called a paper MCSE. They literally handed out all the answers to the test. To everybody and said, just get your certification. They needed them so bad. And I got a Microsoft loan. So I got wow. a Microsoft loan, which was probably like, I don't know. And I went to a place uh, and, uh, called New Horizons Learning Center. And I crammed and I crammed while I was working in the New Mexico Department of Labor. And I took all the certifications, passed everything, got all my, I got my CNA, I got my CNE 4.11, but I didn't get my five because we didn't advance in that. And then I became like a, um, a, a network, uh, not from a network administrator to a network director uh -huh. because my boss left within six months. Um, <clears throat> the guy's name was Michael Hunt. Michael. Everybody called him Michael. Yes, they did. Exactly. Michael. Yeah. No nickname. <laughs> are, you no guys, are, you nickname. Guys, are you guys ready for this? There was a local intercom. And of course, you know what you know what happened, right? Yep. Paging. There you go. Yeah. Oh, the brokers would like laugh out loud over the giant intercom and the and the, the women would be like, What? What? What's going on? Something. <clears throat> anyway. It, uh, I didn't care because I was so busy fixing computers and, and all the marketing specialists that were there, you know, were all very super friendly to me. They were like, they, they loved me because I would be immediately responsive. I can't log in. Can you reset my password? <laughs> uh, my computer. Do you know how many times I had to come and fix computers where it was just because their monitor wasn't on? <laughs> <laughs> Where it was because their network plug was unplugged. The screen cord was pulled, yeah. No, no, no. Not the, not the screen cord. The network. The network. Back because she, I rearranged my desk this morning. And, oh, yeah. Uh, I moved the computer over here, and now I can't log in. I'm like, well, that, that's a computer problem? Sounds like a furniture problem. <laughs> like, And I go right down within, like, there was three oh. ways down. I had three different, I had two stairways and the elevator. And I almost never took the elevator, right? And so I zipped right down, like within a minute or two, and I always knew the answer to everything, like right away. The problem is, I didn't become angry when I first started. I became angry because I became too damn good at my job and my yeah. personality was too big, which is yeah. what I won. That's how I won the group interview. My personality was too yeah. big. Yeah. You, yeah. I'm not a customer service oriented guy, yet I, I kind of was, right? Because, oh my God, a computer guy with an actual personality who likes to talk? We want that guy, right? Who's going to take directions, totally coachable, and you know can work well with others, and is constantly smiling. 
Well, uh, Eddie turned into from constantly smiling to like implementing all new things uh, to he became so helpful that if he could do that, he could do that and that and that right, and that. Right. And that. So competence I became, is a curse. Competence is a curse. Not only that, I was designing databases for these guys to help them on the sales side. It's like, well, we can network these, you can do this. And I started becoming a software programmer. In the midst of all everything else, I started figuring out how to go ahead and play with something called ACT, ACT. It was a contact manager, contact tracker. That's what it did, ACT. And it had these superimposed things where I would use commercial real estate databases where you could superimpose a commercial real estate database, coordinate it with an address, and immediately, voila, I know who the property owner is, I have the phone number, and then I use something called uh, Sales Genie USA. Oh, my God. I revolutionized the entire CB Richard Ellis brokerage by tapping that in, doing dead set imports from CSV directly into the computer. And then people are like, oh, my God. Can we hire you? I said, you don't need to hire me. I work here for $49,000 a year. Just and pay I'm me more. Every single person on your, on your team, right? So they didn't know what to do with me because, you know, I was just the guy that would come down and start taking care of everything. And I helped all the marketing specialists and the brokers. And uh, inevitably, it turned into my personality. It's like, uh, I wonder if this guy could sell real estate. (laughs) (laughs) He can do everything else, right? Well, lo and behold, I said, and and this guy, Pete Bolden, he's like, you know, got the perfect voice. He's got the perfect suit. He's perfectly built. He is a, he's the guy that walks in. He's got that perfect smile. And just, I loved Pete. And I loved, loved his wife. His wife was basically my mother in Phoenix. She died of leukemia. And it was probably one of the hardest things. She cut my hair. She took care of me. I went over to go eat. Her name was Shelly. Oh. She was a wonderful, wonderful, wonderful woman. I was never able to say goodbye to her. And that was my family. It was Pete and Shelly. And Pete, he said, hey, come on over. I need you to hook up my son. I need you to fix my son's TV. Because these are guys, I got to go work out. I'll be back in a little while. And I was like, okay, go on, Pete. Me and Shelly are going to be hanging out over here, and I'm I'm sure you're going to find something else for me to do. (laughs) Cleaning the pool, the garden, whatever. I'm your your huckleberry, whatever you need. So basically, that's kind of what I did. And I had such good – these people treated me like such incredible family that it was – that's what it became. My best friends are still the guys that I worked with back then. One of my best friends is a guy by the name of Kirk. He has one of the most prolific – he literally is selling – billion dollar portfolio deals now he's so smart he's so good and he's just a a weird north dakota dude right i mean you look at the guy is that there's one guy i'm afraid of in my in my my whole place and that's my bet that's pretty much my best friend kirk you ever see you ever see somebody with such superhuman strength his dad was a butcher his dad was i should say was a butcher and all they eat was meat and potatoes, meat and potatoes, and ace their ACT and SAT scores. That's what they do in North Dakota because yeah, they got nothing else to do all day, right? Yep. They got but, a lot of time to read. <laughs> put this guy in front of a computer, and he's just jamming. He's like quant jocking. He's just jamming figures, you know, pivot tables and all this stuff. And I'm like, Kirk, how do, you got to teach me Excel. I got to know how to do pivot tables on the Excel. I want to know how to – because he would just plug and chuck, right? And so I, you know, I'd step in with Kirk and, you know, we went on and did some trips and, you know, yeah, 2000, you know, had a 9-11 and all like, I mean, just so many, so many, so many things that were going on. But I learned so much from that. And they said, you, you, you can't be taking care of people any longer. Okay. Hmm. 
Because we had the Anna Kornikova virus. I literally, you're done for the day. And I literally just ripped the computer out of there. I'm like, well, I, now I got to go reimage this damn computer. I wouldn't rebuild it. I said, you lost all your data. I don't have, if you're too stupid to not listen to my black email blasts that go out, that I told you not to open the Anna Kornikova virus on the network and it starts eating up all the rest of the computers you need to create work for me, then you're done for the day. I literally, we could watch it on the Microsoft Exchange server. Oh, I got a story there too. Yeah, it's, it's the worst story you've ever heard when it comes to computers. Like these guys expected, they, we had, I developed such good relationships with these guys and they were literally like piling porn into their email box. And they said, I need more space. I need more. This was at a time where there was no regulation on the, you know, looking at that. I couldn't really look at the packets of the traffic or the directions or anything where they were going. It's just, I just didn't look at it because I just didn't care. I was too damn busy. When I wasn't there, I was at Starbucks, by the way. I know I wasn't there. Um, you know, I was at a place called Nixon's, which is the place where we went to our lunch uh, pretty much every day. And when I wasn't there, if I got in early enough and Pete was there, he'd go buy me breakfast over at the Ritz Carlton, which was really, really cool, which I, uh, <clears throat> I, be, I, I became accustomed to the good life there. The Ritz Carlton uh, breakfast. Funny how quick that can happen. <laughs> like I can do this every single day for the rest of my life, Pete. I'll just have breakfast over here. And it was, uh, the porch was right there. And we had the first two floors and all that kind of stuff. But it became like unbelievable where these guys would start trusting me with everything. I'm like, okay, well, that's cool. But I'm also kind of HR. And we had this, uh, the HR person was this giant black lady. Her name was Denise. And she was, she loved me. I love her. We were close. Okay. And Denise, boy, she would start looking for trouble, problems, maintaining things. She's like, what's going on over there? I'm like. I don't know. What do you need? Well, I need you to pull the profile on Bill. I'm like, uh, oh, no. Oh, no, 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 no. Now, all this stuff is back work, uh, um, um, backed off, excuse me, to our corporate services in, in, um, in Laguna Niguel in uh, Newport Beach, where we, we had our corporate. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah. yeah, so I'm like, oh, this is not going to be good. So Bill started piling up all this porn in his, I'm not even kidding, in his email box. And Bill was like one of the top producers, like top 10 producers. And I'm like, oh no, Bill. Uh, I kind of sort of gave him the heads up. I said, Nancy, Bill, um, hey, just letting you know, I've, I've got to uh, send this stuff up to uh, Denise. It's like, oh my God, is that stuff protected? I said, I can't do anything. You, you literally have some of the worst things that anything is known to man, and you decided to save them in your email box and forward them to your friends while you're chuckling all day. Yeah, it was like Mad Men on steroids, except they were actually and watching it. They're watching it out in the open. Apparently, I didn't know that, but if because I, I would have had to have stopped it based upon my position within the company, which was network director uh, immediately six months after Michael Hunt. Uh, yeah, so you can see the type of culture that was happening right there, right? So, uh, long story short. Bill was gone within two hours. There's nothing I could have done to prevent that. And uh, immediately it was a complete and thorough flush through the entire network of looking for nothing but JPEG, JPG, MOV. Yeah, you know what we were looking for, right? We lost like five brokers that day. And it was flatlined. And the whole entire place changed because the number of sexual harassment lawsuits just for oh. having that stuff or yep. if anything yep. was inferred that you want to talk about the beginning of the me too movement. That was it right there. That was it right there. So um, I got some more stuff. Uh, did you, do you want to continue hearing more? I could talk about this all day. It's actually... <laughs> that, that's an interesting time in your life. Cause when you're in your twenties, you just, 
if you're smart, you learn from all those experiences and you soak right. up as much as you can. Uh, if you're dumb, you just, you know, right, go protest about the fight for 15 minimum wage. But it sounds like, Eddie, you, you really got everything you could out of that experience and ended up growing from it a lot. I did. And um, I think uh, you and I got to take a trip over to the Apple store uh, tonight and uh, get you going <laughs> on a new uh, Apple to get because uh, we got to We got to have our Dow 3000. We're not the Dow 3000. Right, Eric? We're not the Dow 3000 if we don't have the uh, 3000 loaded up. So we got to fix that computer and uh, we're going to prevent that from going forward. So I think that's what we're going to headlong uh, into tonight. Back uh, after the top of the hour news right here in the Kiva on AM 1600 KIVABQ.FM, com. I'll finish that story and how I got into commercial real estate brokerage. And we'll talk a little bit about uh, some other things as well, including economic development, which is where all that stuff uh, basically came into for me. Uh, back up to the top of the hour news. Thanks for listening. Albuquerque's macro aggression. Eddie Aragon. The Rock of Talk. I am Eddie Aragon, The Rock of Talk. I'm 8600 KIV, ABQ.FM, Talk.com. Tower 2 coming at you here in the ABQ. The blue ABQ, that is. That's the blue bayou. I wish there was more blue uh, down south or up north. Uh, more water, more help uh, for what's happening right now. It is a dismal time. That's the way that we started out the show. Not sure if Dowd, uh, you were able to catch the beginning of of the show but uh that's kind of what was the focus they're starting to clear out our beloved uh, angel fire where dowd loves it so much uh, he really really loves it by the way just gonna when it's all said and done we're just gonna we're just gonna hand Dowd a, a piece of land and, and an rv so him and the dog can just go hang out and live life and that will be heaven uh for for young oh, yeah uh, Dow 3000, much better this hour, too. Uh, I'm, I'm sure you're Well, uh, Eddie, I'm actually doing a little research uh, right now. I believe if I can sh- get one of these systems, the headset that's actually adaptable to the Ooh. iPad, I can switch out the – just junk this laptop because my oh. iPad is – I got the pro iPad. I bought it a year ago. It works perfectly all the time. I could maybe set that sucker up. But I got to have the think about adaptable this? headset, you know. Well, I I, uh, I know exactly what you need, my friend. You need this little this little doohickey on the okay. uh, giddy up, all right? Yep. So a, yep. a doohickey on the giddy up will uh, run you about uh, eight hundred smackaroos. Oh, and, uh, okay. The uh, the hickey on the giddy up, which will be the plug in in your earlobes, uh, is going to run about uh, you know eighty bucks or so, and uh, we can have uh, that in pronto. But you also need a computer, do you not? No, I'm, I my I run an old mainframe system. You can't see it on the camera main, here. But did you I, just say mainframe? What are you I, running? I call it a mainframe. It's an AS four hundred. Is are you, are you like an IBM AS four hundred with? It does the ENIAC. It's it's the original ENIAC. No, I have a, a a huge. You can't see you on the camera here, but I have a huge screen because I'm an editor and I every character I have to be able to see. Uh, and then I have a, a desktop, which I never have a problem with. It's just this stupid laptop that doesn't work. But if we can find some way to get connect the headset. To the brand new iPad I have, then we're, ah. we're golden. We're golden. Uh, it is it a it's a C plugin, correct? A C plugin on the. Uh, uh, it's a C type. That's what that. That's, now, that's the Sister news. Darcy got me the 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 cover. Darcy, which Darcy it got. From, uh, let's see. That's that's the. Uh, put a little close. That's the C one. We'll drop okay. one of those to tonight, and that's where we'll be broadcasting from, my dear. Nice. My dear yeah. So you'll nice. Be able, you'll be able, so the same one that I use, the Plantronics. Uh, which is absolutely stellar. 
fact, uh, let me pull it. Let me whip this bad boy out. Uh, <clears throat> sorry, this is a, a. He's got the backpack, ladies and gentlemen. Oh, <laughs> he's got the backpack. The paramilitary style backpack. <laughs> well, I do actually have. I have everything. I'm a, a. You know that I'm crazy about something called Tumi, Takatumi. Um, and uh, they don't have stores here, but they have it in Phoenix. And uh, I, if I see Tumi, like much, much the way uh, young men might be fawning over a, 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 a woman, I fawn over that store like there is no tomorrow. So it is absolutely the coolest store on the planet. Uh, ooh, even, even, my, uh, even my headphones smell like Tumi cologne, by the way, which is great. They have uh, unwind or rewind, unwind. I don't know what it's called. And the other one's called Awake, Unwind. I just like the fact that it's just very basic and very super organized. So these are going to be your headsets there, you doubt, Muska. Oh, okay, yeah. And you plug mic. in, uh, what's the amount of space you have on that iPad? Oh, it, it's... 256 gigs? Yeah, hundreds. I mean, it's, it's like massive. Because <laughs> I, I had, not because I'm anything special, but my brother-in-law last time he was here showed me his, his iPad Pro. And my mm -hmm. iPad is my podcast player it's my video chat for people back east it's my alarm clock it's my still oh. camera my ipad is everything and so i said you know brother-in-law duncan uh i'm going i'm trading up to the big the big pro uh and it came with a whole just hundreds of uh hundreds what megs or gigs or whatever i i got more gigs. memory than uh, i know what to do with the dow yeah, 3000 gigs. does know he knows uh he knows Megs, he knows gigs, he knows Terras, and uh, you know, Peter Flops. Yeah, that's right. There you go. Peter Flops. <laughs> um, yeah, are we nerding out? Like, me? I don't think people I'm getting texted in. Uh, people are like, they had no idea. Like, I had such aptitude for uh, who do you think runs the who do you think runs a damn radio station? A nerd, like the, the guy uh, who is you know, running this thing is a nerd. Why do you think I like doubt so much? Because he's nerd. <laughs> Lambda, lambda, lambda. So there they are, the Plantronics. They're the best one you can get uh, out there. And then you just need to find a little win windscreen, and uh, you're good to go. We'll have, I got uh, 128 gigs on the, on the okay. iPad Pro. Now, let me, uh, since we're, let's help out our brethren out there, because they probably want to tech out too, right? I mean, everyone likes to nerd out a little, geek out a little bit, and we'll geek out a little bit. So um, what's really cool is the chipset that's in the new Apple's um, the processing speed. And then everybody knows that I'm bleeding edge, right? So you want to go uh, ultra wide band. Now there is a map for this. There's an app for that. There's a map for this. You know, uh, this is really important. This little thing is the most powerful weapon I have in my arsenal, and it is all of 7.9 inches. Yes. No, I'm talking about the computer. There you go. Wow. There you go. There you go, folks. Uh, what I have to touch. Being talk radio means sort of touching on the fringes. I mean, maybe we should tell people, you know, how to you know, talk, do, do good talk radio. And you got the fringes you're... covered. You, you got... <laughs> <laughs> you're all over that. <laughs> Sorry about that. Apologize. <clears throat> My mom's not, mom's not proud of me. Okay, so here you go. Um, so this little bad boy can do everything that I needed to. And then this little pencil... Where is this at? Uh, oh, you love your yeah pencil, yeah, yeah. Oh, I love it. So, the, and the thing, the reason why I like this is you strap this into your hand, and right here you can download on an ultra wide band. And this is where the technology is kind of amazing. A four and a half gig movie, which is about the average movie size, roughly four four and a half gigs. And this is important, okay, because you're going to go from ultra wide moving back to the five G or the 
4G LTE networks, okay? And then we move from place to place. Your download speed on an ultra-wide network, okay, is almost like fiber, if not fiber. Well, what does that mean? When I run speed tests on my computer and the browser, it is browser sensitive. Safari isn't as fast as Chrome, isn't as fast as Brave. Brave has a huge issue. And the, the issue with Brave is the fact that it, 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 it traps everything. It's like, <laughs> it's wearing a chastity belt, basically. You know, you can't go anywhere with Brave without saying, yeah, I'm okay to go there. I got to give you, it, did I say yes? Yes, yes. Gets annoying yeah. after a while. Yeah, you're like, oh, really? Do I have to do this? So I do enjoy me some Chrome. Uh, I really like the Safari uh, because it plugs in. And then the synchronization between across your iPad, your iPhone, and everything, it's all there. So you don't have to go to multiple places and sync up. And this goes back to my, my commentary about how I was a network uh, administrator uh, becoming a network director, and I started formulating syncing up. These guys wouldn't have the latest notes in their Aries Act database. So have Carrie over here. She didn't put her stuff. And Max over here, he tried to put in his stuff, but, well, I don't see the latest notes. Well, like, you got to hit sync, bro. That's the way we used to do it back in 2001. They used to have to manually sync, and then, You'd see the, do um, you guys remember whenever you'd save a file and there was this giant piece of paper that fly through this little box in the middle into yep. the folder and yep. you'd sit yep. there, watch it and go, is it still going? Is it still going? And I'd have to go and sit there and watch it. Hey, don't go yet. I want to make sure this works. That's the part. And I was like, well, you're going to go to the game this week. I'm like, that was my conversation with these people. That's what, that's what irked me. Cause I had 10 other things to do. I'm like, don't, don't leave Eddie. Cause it still may not work and I need it to work. Cause you know, Bill's got to get this uh, report out and uh, the clients are needing it. And, and they had big clients. I mean, guys with real money that were doing, you know, some pretty amazing things. So back to the Apple iPad, this is easily the most powerful tool and you, you can be a total dummy and use it. And when you download a, as many of you will, okay, Paramount, I use something called the Criterion Collection. You download a uh, movie it literally will only take at most about five minutes, wow. five to six minutes. Okay. If you're on a true ultra wide, ultra wide band. Okay. If you're on a regular 5g, probably take you about 22 to 25 minutes. And if you're on a 4g LTE, it'll take you about an hour and a half. That's the difference. And that's, that's with straight with nothing else interfering uh, with any of that pass through. When Dowd gets on this and he does his show, with his iPad tomorrow, with his headset as he's coming beaming in, the chipset is actually contributing to the speed in addition to the, excuse me, your bandwidth. Your bandwidth isn't the only deciding factor. It also has a rendering function in terms of, remember, and I'll tell you why I know this, the answer to this, is because we used to have to buy certain types of video cards that would be supporting some of the new games like Quake, right? Yeah. Doom. Quake and Doom. Did you buy the new? Did you get the new video card to insert? And I have to go in. Is it PCI or your bus or whatever? You're going to go ahead and install it. And I have to go install this for people. And they're like, oh, put in my video card, Eddie. And then you'd have to upload the drivers, pry, install the drivers prior to seeding the hardware on the motherboard to make sure that it would run correctly. You guys haven't thought about that for years. There's another reason for Apple right there. You don't have to crack open a desktop computer. I remember the first computer that we ever got. It was a Packard Bell. My dad was so proud to bring it home. I love my dad. You know what? 
it's those moments. There's two moments I was proudest of my dad. You want to know when they were? And it's why I do what I do with my kids. And it has nothing to do with sports besides the fact that he attended every single thing. And the only person I could hear up in the stands yelling at me when I was, was when I was on the field was my dad. The whole entire, uh, everybody could be cheering. Let me let you know something about your kids, folks. They only hear one voice. They only see one person on the sidelines. They only care that one person is there. They could be empty. They wouldn't know. They think the whole world is there if mom and dad is there. I missed my son's uh, zoo day yesterday, I guess. Okay? I was pretty upset about that. I'm like, oh, dang it. You know, I mean, I had, I had commitments that I had to make, and there's no way that I could have, couldn't, couldn't have got out of that. But you don't get a second chance at that, folks. And that's so important to be there for your kids because all they do, they're out there playing catching footballs, kicking soccer balls, whatever. The only thing that they can hear. So the, the, the two times I was most proudest of my father was when he bought this Packard Bell computer because the guy doesn't know anything about computers today. He thinks a computer is used for solitaire. <laughs> That's what he thinks computers are for. And he gets they can on, be. He, they can be. <laughs> he does the search. He, he does his email and he does, you know, his uh, horse racing and he does all the things that he does and he does very well. And he's, He's very good. I should be be nicer to him. And he's very good at CAD drawings on because he's he's super. Sure, he's sure. He, he's a he's a stupid with numbers. The guy just sees. This is what where's we have your practical application measured in with the rest of your math applications, uh, if you will. And he literally looks at something and tells whether or not he can build it, how much he can build it for, and uh, how quickly he can he can deliver it. And the only reason he can do that is he knows how to read blueprints and he's done the job a thousand times. All of Albuquerque, by the way. That's why I tell my dad, I said, you should have ran for mayor instead of me because you've built the whole entire city. Well, the guy's literally built every single building. And his brother, uh, my uncle who passed away is really, really, he's, we called him Johnny Five, Johnny Five. You know, he's a really funny, funny guy, um, which is one of the reasons, he, the building that I'm in right now, they built this building. That's right, you said this, it, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, that's so, and it's probably got Johnny Five's signature on it. Johnny used to run to all these different buildings that he was on. And when they pour the concrete, he'd go and he'd carve his name in the cement. And if he wasn't able to make that, he'd find spray paint. And all over the city of Albuquerque, you've got JFA. <laughs> he was proud of his work. Proud of his work. This isn't funny. It's just like, no shame in that. Okay, so anyway, back to the computers. We got a Packard Bell computer. And this thing made me angry. Because it had the slowest molasses software, but it had a Windows 95 disk that I popped in, and that's how I got introduced to Weezer, right? You guys remember the first thing that you popped in with a Windows 95 disk? It was a Windows 95. You're like, oh, this is cool. And then you heard that magical sound that came in. And I had Windows 3.1, so I knew what that was all about. You know, the moving, the GUI, the graphical user in interface with the mouse. Like, what the hell's the mouse? You need a you need a mouse trap. You're gonna kill your. Why are you constantly touching the mouse over there? It's for the computer, ma. You know, it's right there, right? So it had that, and then we graduated to this Packard Bell. Well, this Packard Bell had probably one of the worst interfaces, much like that movie that you saw on Apple, right? What was the movie that uh, I told you to watch? Out that you watched uh, something genius. I forget. Oh, uh, Practical Magic. Practical no. Magic. Magic. General Magic. General, General Magic. Magic. Okay. So uh, that was basically what inevitably became the Palm Pilot. Now, why this is important is just to tell you how far we've leapt forward. Okay, and we're sort of at the end of all this. We're at the end of this whole epoch of, 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 of technical innovation. Now it's more automation, right? Like we have seeded to pretend to do things for ourselves. And we're going to the point where 
the very devices do all the things that we used to be able to do for ourselves, like open a computer, put in a PCI board, uh, install a motherboard, set up software, everything. That we now that comes with it and you, you, you send it to some uh, uh, guy who shows up with a little thing in his hand with his uh, $300 sneakers, $500 jeans and $1,000 uh, iPhone in front of you with the newest whatever. And somehow because he's cooler, you think he's cooler. He's got the currency to tell you what to do, right? So that that's become sort of the way to do. Oh, don't haven't you heard of that? Have you that? No, I made this. And General <laughs> Magic and Packard Bell are exactly the same company. In that, they thought the experience was to create some level of virtualization. So I put it in the Packard Bell and I'd click on the library on my left. I must have been clicking on that thing, maybe not days, but weeks. And I would drag and drop little graphics so that I would hope that the CD-ROM, yes. God, I haven't seen that in forever, would spin up and start the program. I'm like, this is idiocy. I have no idea what the heck this is. There's got to be a better way. Yeah, there's got to be a better way to, to, to go ahead and, and do it, okay? And so, <clears throat> anyway, the Packard Bell uh, 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 piece uh, was, was something that my dad bought because he had sold it to, to him who knew nothing about computers. I think my dad spent somewhere between north of $1,300, $1,400 for that entire operation back then. And in $1995, that would be equivalent to about $3,500 today, exactly. I would imagine. Is that, is that about right? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think the last time he spent that much money was something called an Atari 400. And he also bought something... Uh, which uh, was a Sanyo uh, state-of-the-art stereo, which was which were running as much as cars. So when you see these vintage stereos, don't poo-poo them. Uh, those those vintage stereos were thousands of dollars. I have a Pioneer stereo that retailed for more than two thousand dollars that I picked up for three hundred dollars. Yeah, three hundred dollars, which was pretty pretty incredible. Um, so that was the uh, first moment I think I was really, um, you know, sort of proud of him. The second one was when he bought me a skateboard. My dad has exactly zero reason to buy me a skateboard. Okay. I was great at athletics. I great at all these types of things, but inevitably that's what he bought me. I had to buy a Steve Caballero skateboard, you know, with all this, you know, this wheel spinning and, you know, put in the bearings and the trucks. And I'm like, he literally like looked at me like he wanted to eat me, but he still drug me all the way to the skateboard shop to go buy a damn skateboard. And that's essentially what we did. We went to go ahead and do that. So uh, the point of, uh, I think, all of this stuff is to sort of kind of tell you how I grew up and got into this sort of nerdiness of, you know, and I eventually evolved out of that, uh, but back into it by, by way of the radio. You couldn't keep the nerd uh, out of me because I just keep nerding out. It doesn't matter, you know, what it is. But for a time, I jumped into immediately, they, you look at people's personalities. What are they good at? What thing? They had something called a disc assessment test, D-I-S-C, okay? High D, high I. And I was called a, um, uh, a coordinating, um, what is that, conductor, what was it? persuasive conductor, conducting persuader. And it's literally the most honest box in the whole entire disc profile. And it gave me, it spit out, Pete Bolton made me spit. He, he, he did this whole entire thing. He says, I need you to go take this test. Because I think you're cut out for sales. He says, I think you're going to be a great salesman someday. Um, and I, you're, you sell everybody on everything that you're doing. I mean, I was literally the, the very first time the Palm Pilots came out, they had the Palm 3, yeah. the Palm 4, the Palm 5. I would create, and you had those horrible things that you'd plug in and sync up. I was syncing everybody's databases to their Palm Pilots. So we had all of our brokers were running out into the market. In 2001, 2002, 
ahead of the curve. Remember, the iPhone didn't come out until July of 07. Right. So think about just how advanced, how many years, light years they were ahead of their competition just because they were able to innovate. And I was so interested in technology. So as I innovate and I tell you, okay, we're going to go five band LTE, we're going to go uh, uh, ultra wide and all this kind of stuff. Don't underestimate what I'm doing. When I tell you we would, we run one man radio, that one man radio is done with the help of an engineer, but the foresight of leveraging technology to bring you what we bring you. Okay. I like AM because I'm a nerd and I like talk and I like ideas. And I really kind of, you know, came back from that whole sales thing and you like ideas, you get excited. Are you passionate? Do you have drive? Do you want to do something, accomplish something? Do you have goals, visions, things like that? It had all these things that spit out. Spit it out. Eddie, this is great. It's exactly what we confirmed. You're like, this guy, this guy, and this guy. This is what we expected. But you can't work here. (laughs) You're going to have to go ahead and leave Phoenix. You're going to have to leave Phoenix. You're going to have to go some other place to work because if you work here in Phoenix, you know what all the rest of the, t- the teams and uh, here's the, here's the thing, the kicker on this, you know, everybody's business. And if you get a competitive edge on one of them, they're going to come to us and we're going to have to give it to them and you won't be able to do this. Mm, interesting. Okay. It was very interesting. So what, what happened to me? So I said, I uh, said, where do I have relationships? Oh, back in New Mexico. So they sent me back here to learn the market. I started running uh, and then I started doing something called information management. I literally walked every single office building, every single industrial building that I could, mostly on the perimeters. You can't really walk industrial buildings. They're not going to really let you in. You just have to kind of drive by and see it. Every retail center and I was in, you don't really have to walk into the retail center because they're all, you know, drop floors and, um, you know, drop ceilings on top and bottom. You know, they're they're basically, uh, you know, a various type of a retail. And I did that whole thing and studied it for an entire year. Wow. And the funny thing about that, I was working for CBRE here and that helped me develop such amazing market knowledge that I helped a company start up. And then they took all of the stuff that they, they, that I had and they took it all and created their own company. Now they, you know, you know how that works out. That never works oh. out for the people, who, you know, now you've been that down that road, right? Uh, in various ways, yes. <laughs> Maybe not exactly that way, but yes. <laughs> Dowd literally, you may tell you how much Dowd trusts me. Dowd literally handed me every single thing that he has ever done in his entire life on a year. Yeah, basically, yeah. He handed me out. You don't just get that but uh, through nothing. You get that through building trust. And I think a lot of the stuff that was established there has a lot to do with my upbringing through that company. And this is why corporate grooming and corporate sales and and people who develop like what color of your parachute type uh, direction, right? You, you, you see that I'm not a direct manager. I don't thumbscrew you. I'll never ask you about anything. I'll never ask someone about deadlines ever. Unless I'm in a real estate transaction and I'm driving the deadlines where I'm doing it and I'm coordinating and, and getting those types of things done because this is what allows people to drive. This is why I would have been a, the best mayors because they have this market knowledge of these buildings and this place and know about economic development coordinating and my backgrounds in economics, my backgrounds in political science. Like you would have got somebody who'd be like, okay, here's what we need to do. Here's how we're going to get it done. When I told you I wasn't going to be spending my time inside the office, the mayor's office, because I've never spent time in the office. The battle's out there. You got to walk every single building. You got to see every single relationship. So inevitably I fell out of this deal over here because these guys, you know, they did whatever they did and I didn't care. And I was like, well, you're going to pay me my money so I can go start my new life because 
you're in my way. And if you don't, then I'm going to send people after you and then things won't be going very nice. And I don't really, I'm not really interested in conflict. So I went to Las Vegas, Nevada, and the same thing that I did here in Albuquerque, New Mexico is the very same thing that I went out to Las Vegas, Nevada to do. And I did it this time without having a boss. I did it all by myself. And I said, okay, well, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to go ahead and walk every building, take notes on every single thing that there is, and I'm going to learn this market, and I'm going to find the pocket. And these guys were making such incredible money down in 2005, 2006. And then I'm like, what, what, what kind of transactions did they not want to do? They didn't want to do little transactions. Oh, 5,000 square feet unless I'm not going to touch that. Oh, I don't want to work on a 1,500 square foot lease or a 2,000 square foot lease or this startup business. Guess what I did? I did the most number of transactions in the market by focusing on exactly that in the worst part of Las Vegas, North Las Vegas, and ended up oh, uh, encapsulating. It is. It's rough. Yeah. 4.7 million square feet and said, okay, well, this is, uh, this is the, the, the part of the kingdom that I can conquer. And I did. And I, and I had literally the most amount of leasable space. And they're like, where did this guy come from out of nowhere? How did he become a top 10 broker? How did he do all this kind of stuff? Well, because I, he, it's not that I was any, you know, I was probably, you know, an average guy as far as brokerage is concerned, but you had to find market opportunity. And here's the great thing about market opportunity. It exists for everyone in an up market. It only exists for a very few in a down market. And if you're going to really make anything of yourself in anything, and let's just say, for example, brokerage, you have to be able to see the bigger picture in such a way and be able to sell value to your, your customers. And so for those of you who are listening out there, it's like, how am I going to tough it out? The economy's down. Do not sell a victimization story for starters. Because we, you find your, you find a way to become valuable to yourself. You can become valuable to others immediately, and be honest and straightforward with people. And that was the thing, you had to be because you're dealing with people who have literally millions of dollars. And these guys were so incredibly happy out, out of coming out of a transaction with me. They'd be like, Eddie, thank you for saving my ass. I'm glad I didn't buy that building, and now we bought this one instead. I cannot tell you the number of times I downsailed, and I'd go to my, I go to my uh, 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 managing director. His name was Craig Shoot. And it was really interesting because Craig, you couldn't understand anything he said, except he was devastatingly handsome, like, <laughs> like, like massively handsome. The guy would walk into a room. He was younger than me by like, I don't know, three or four months. He was one of my best friends in, in, in Vegas by three or four months. And you couldn't understand anything the guy said. Not one word. Like what? Yeah, 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 mate. Yeah, mate. Uh, uh, what? You're going to go visit. Uh, well, let me get on the phone with him. I'll be back. What? Okay, sounds good, Craig. Later. But when he drank, you can understand everything the guy said. Every single thing. That's the thing about Aussies. And he was from a place called Adelaide. Let me tell you about something. And this is the most interesting thing that I probably learned in my brokerage, which has everything to do with relationships because it's all relationships, right? What did they understand in brokerage in order to, to, to create trust? What were they actually selling? how the person made them feel. Did they trust them enough? Did they like them enough to stay with them through the entire deal? Well, we knew everybody can do a deal. You can do a deal. I could do a deal. It's the same jumping jack for everybody to go ahead and do through, uh, something through. But the, the thing that set these guys apart was how much these guys cared. And he knew how to sell that and get involved in every single transaction. So at 37 years of age, I think is what he was at the time. Guess what he transferred to? He went from Las Vegas 
to running the biggest commercial real estate office in the world. Wow. In Hong Kong, where you have rents of, like, you can't believe it. I mean, to this, the guy's name is Craig Shute. Look him up. He's hilarious. He's back in Adelaide now. He's, he's funny. His wife was even funnier than he was. And his kids, oh, man, there was so much personality. You didn't know what to do with them. I would have created an entire radio show. You wouldn't have been able to listen to it. But you would have been laughing because of the intonations, that, the way that they talked. I'm like, what? I don't know what they're talking about, but it's funny. It's downright funny. Listen to an Australian radio show. There's a couple of them. I think it's called Radio 5 or something like that. It's funny. You can't shut it off. You remember I sh was showing you uh, Radio Clyde the other day, 261, right? It had a lot of personality. The British, I'd say that it, it, it had 10 times even more personality than even that. So, you know, I think, uh, you know, the long and the short of it in, in all of this, I think we were just getting to technology and you start to realize that uh, what's the shortest point between A and B? Get yourself a damn Apple. That Apple iPhone revolutionized everything. Steve Jobs, well, you didn't need Eddie Aragon over at uh, CBRE. All you need was Steve Jobs and an iPad and uh, be able to maintain your contact management because these PCs that people are getting are total junk. And let me, let me say this. I'm going to jump on to Jeffrey Epstein now. I've been reading copious amounts of Jeffrey Epstein lately. And the reason why is that I told my dad back in the day, to invest in something called Citrix. Look up Citrix systems and then look up technology. Okay, uh, Citrix systems, excuse me, and then look up uh, Jeffrey Epstein. And I'm about to kind of drop a bomb, but you won't know it's a bomb. This Cloud week. computing and virtualization technology company? Okay, what do we know about Jeffrey Epstein? Uh, everything that's a Creep, big <laughs> creepy <laughs> creepy vision of the of the transhumanist future kind of stuff yeah well uh even bigger than that he got in with this guy i think his name was ted um no not uh ted talks but ted who developed a company weirdly out of ohio and it was cloud computing before there was cloud computing which means everything went to a cloud farm right where was the farm located? Just for example, you know, uh, to run a parallel, that would be Facebook out in Los Lunas and in, in Valencia County, right? That's their farm. That's their server farm where they had that. Well, less that technology had to start. Uh, necessity is the mother invention. Citrix actually created much of that because it had a central mainframe, okay? And the New Mexico Department of Labor started getting involved in Citrix systems. Well, I introduced Citrix to... Uh, my company, CB Richard Ellis. Interestingly enough, they were at the bleeding edge here at the New Mexico Department of Labor. They were the company called, I think, Network Associates here. And these guys would all get together and it's like, yes, we're going to have what's called a thin client. I'm like, okay, well, what's a thin client? Oh, it's a computer, but it's not a computer. It's a computer that's connected to a computer that's somewhere else. And all of it's controlled by one place. What's the one thing whether it's Jeffrey Epstein's apartment in Paris, in Florida, in St. James, or any of these places. What did we know about, about or, or Zorro Ranch, or uh, New London, uh, Ohio? Every single one of those thin clients in those places was connected to the mainframe, which is why they had these unbelievably fast almost 5G ultra-wide network technology, which would go directly back. What were they doing? They were sending video. They were sending pictures. They were sending all of this stuff. I got introduced to all of that. Okay, not, not the Jeffrey Epstein stuff. The technology 
working for the New Mexico Department of Labor and then working uh, directly for CB Richard Ellis, which became CBRE. That allows people to never be able to control, never export. You can watch every keystroke. You can watch every um, uh, packet. You can watch every address. You can watch every single thing. Now, there was a creepy poor part of one of the confessions of one of the women in the Jeffrey Epstein uh, saga that I played. And you, you remember I played it, you know, so much. I think it's been maybe a couple of years since I've really played it. And the woman who was talking, I think it was Virginia, uh, not you, Frey, it was uh, Annie Farmer. I think the other one is, is dying, um, by the way, uh, they, her sister. Remember, uh, Annie Farmer, they, they've had a, a horrible life based upon the way they started out with everything. Just all from just going to doing artwork <laughs> and look at what's happened to them. And she was communicating and she was being spied upon by Ghislaine Maxwell. And all of that video input would go directly back to New London, I think, Ohio, right? New London, Ohio. I don't want to say Connecticut. Went to New London, Ohio, where Les Wexner was watching all of the different stuff that was happening at all the different properties. That's where all that stuff was being routed to. And I have the proof of all of that. All of that stuff is 100% correct. And here we are. We're sitting on this, uh, <laughs> yeah. Dumbass PC user, Hunter Biden. They took a computer and they brought it all the way to here to Albuquerque, New Mexico. Now you're about to find out here over the next month why they came to Albuquerque, New Mexico with that laptop. Once we're done with this uh, gubernatorial race, all of that information is going to be released. And I'm going to be going through it during our slow summer, line by line, touching each one of these pieces that have been developed through a company that I sold my last real estate transaction here in the state of New Mexico called BGK. I sold a building. My last transaction was uh, back in 2005 as a commercial real estate broker, okay, when I was doing it here. And I sold a company by a company called Aegon, A-E-G-O-N, to a company called BGK, which is run by a guy, which you've done some work, Dowd. You can look at it in your database. Oh, the man's name is Eddie Gilbert. Eddie Gilbert was a slumlord salesman. He started out, I think, what, selling Winnebago's or something <laughs> else, okay? Well, he's a total and complete uh, 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 criminal. Oh, yeah. Got busted twice for uh, securities fraud. He is also one of the largest donors, would host parties for none other than Bill Richardson, who became head of the company called BGK. Now, the only reason I know any of uh, uh, all this stuff is, well, I was involved in politics and I was also involved in commercial real estate. And never the two shall meet with the exception of Devin Archer, Hunter Biden, uh, Chris Hines, and the company called Gemini Rosemont. Rosemont purchased BGK. Rosemont was run by Chris Hines, daughter or son of Teresa Hines Carey, John Carey. John Kerry was the 2004 nominee. Bill Richardson was ascending to become the 2008 nominee. It was almost a shoe in and they had to find somebody else because, boy, Slick Billy had been uh, pretty dirty for a long time, and there was some other things that were starting to uh, come out of this whole thing. And to make it even more complicated, Chris Hines is the, su the biological son of former Senator Hines, a Republican yeah. U.S. Senator from the state of not New Mexico, way back east in Pennsylvania. 
And who died how? A helicopter crash outside ah, Philly. Yeah. Don't get in a helicopter if you're a politician. If you do, you make sure. Uh, and any, uh, just follow. Secret Service follow. agents, if they have any, ask, ask your Secret Service agents if they have any important uh, um, appointments after that helicopter ride. Because if you're getting on with a bunch of uh, guys who don't have anything to do after that helicopter ride, it's likely going to go down. Uh, in 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 the a deep dive that Mother Jones did into Jeffrey Epstein's little black book, yeah. uh, a name and number was tagged in the little black book. Uh, quote in-house Citrix Systems programmer, and that name and number. I guess his name was Tim Newcomb. He worked for Citrix. That number was right next to another listing for Ehud Barak's Secret Service personnel. <laughs> It just gets it took, bigger it took, and weirder as we go. What literally like the biggest Israeli politician of all time. I mean, when when I tell you that Ghislaine and Jeffrey were Mossad, there's no way they got done what they needed to get done in the Middle East without the help we without the uh the black the blackmailing of Ghislaine and Jeffrey. Let's just put it that we'll leave it there. We leave it at that, right? You had no idea you were gonna get all this information. It just like just comes back right back at you again. It's all right there. And we're knee deep in all of it. And why are they so this is something that you know we I uncovered a long time ago with the State Investment Council. Through the why are they so interested in New Mexico? What are they? I never know what she's doing. I never know what they're doing over there in New Mexico. What are they doing? Have you ever looked at the uh 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 unredacted uh black book? You can find the unredacted uh, Jeffrey. It's a it's a who's who uh, here. Besides Bill Richardson having all his phone appointments, you have Bruce King. Uh, let's not forget that Rhonda King and Gary King, who was the Attorney General. Remember uh, when the and uh, Michelle Garcia Holmes, by the way, was running uh, Gary King's uh, office. Was probably told to, oh, don't worry about it, uh, Michelle. Just uh, Gary probably came down. Make sure you give. Uh, Jeffrey, a get-out-of-jail-free pass. Uh, he doesn't have to register as a sex offender here in the state of New Mexico. Never the two shall meet. And what was Jeffrey doing? He was so incredibly important. They put him in an office every day from about 6 a.m. to about 7 p.m. every single night. And then we can go back and hang out in the jail cell that was left open. He did that for a year and a half before he got to do all the trading, all the rest of that stuff. And, you know, an acquaintance of ours had come up with a, a number of different uh, pieces of information, which we don't need to deal in because I don't, I don't want to touch any of that information because it's kind of inconsequential to this story, which is how does Devin Archer, how do these uh, Dan Burrell, how does uh, all these Yaleys and the, the attorneys, how do all these guys end up here in the state of New Mexico running this company called Gemini Rosemont? And what do we know about Gemini Rosemont today? Gemini uh, Rosemont is, by the Chinese. It is a Chinese company. Eddie, I'll have a link in this uh, Mother Jones story, which it's been a while since I've looked at it. This reporter, and you know, Mother Jones is a kook left magazine, but sometimes they just do straight out reporting. They got the number, they got the, got the available information in the little black book and called all 2,000 uh, numbers in the book. I spoke to billionaires, CEOs, bankers, models, celebrity scientists, a Kennedy, and some of Epstein's closest friends and confidants. I sat on my couch and phoned up royalty, spoke to ambassadors, irritated a senior advisor at Blackstone, and left squeaky voicemails for what must constitute a considerable percentage of the world oligarchy. Jeffrey knew some very powerful people. Yeah, it is absolutely uh, amazing. And by the way, uh, what do you have longer than your address? Your phone number. One of the things you almost never change. Uh, Dowd, you've had your phone number through thick and thin. You've had it longer than your jobs and your appointments, have you not? Absolutely. I, I, there's a place in Corrales that has a, a Connecticut number listed as you can buy eggs from us at this Connecticut area code. And I talked to them one day and said, 
just forgive me, but that's our area code 2,000 miles away. And she said, oh, well, we just moved out here and I just kept my old number. I mean, people, you can move across the country and keep your number now. That's right. And uh, I think even more important than that is if you understand that uh, how vulnerable your own phone number is. If you don't know how vulnerable your own phone number is and uh, why you want to do voices uh, instead of exchanging text, then, uh, well, <laughs> probably scared everybody into uh, stop texting uh, in. So there you go. Back after a uh, quick break, after a, uh, what what was that, a 40-minute opening there for hour two and a lot of local, uh, hyper-local, because I was just talking about myself mostly, but I think I gave you some level of relationship as to how I got from A to B to C to Z to where we're at uh, today. Back after a quick break, and uh, I'm going to let Dowd uh, sort of take the wheel. We're going to jump in on some stuff that he's interested as well. 544, back and forth. talk that long about anything we can certainly talk that long about a band called steely dan we won't do that don't worry we will not uh, be doing it again uh the great steely dan one of my favorites uh absolutely you can have uh, more fun to that than you can but just about uh, anything what's on your radar d dowd muska well eddie i think maybe if we have time in the, in the final hour because this is more of a maybe a, a longer commitment i uh, sure. i'd like to praise a Republican politician, which is pretty rare for me to praise any politician, but I'm happy to say, I, I, while she didn't release a formal statement on her vote a couple days ago to against $40 billion down the rat hole of madness and murder that is the Ukrainian situation, madness, murder, waste, uh, uh, possible nuclear war. I mean, how, how many terms do you want? Do you need to throw out? Uh, in the final hour, I'd love to read to people what Yvette Harrell had to say on her Twitter account because she tweeted out some very, uh, what I would consider America first, pro-America, non-interventionist 
I dare say, MAGA, as, as it relates to foreign policy tweets, yeah, no and really contrast her with a piece that, that got a lot of attention on our, our Daily Blast today from the U.S. Senator from Arkansas, Tom Cotton, who is the biggest warmonger on planet Earth. But uh, I hope to get that into, into that in the final hour where we can really get into it in depth, Eddie. Okay. Uh, what surprised me that the Tom Cotton piece was very popular, but the most clicked item, I'll, I'll give it away a little early, the most clicked item today, I, Albuquerque's the big the big dog in New Mexico. Uh, I, I can certainly see myself not living in the metro area uh, in the future as I try to get to rural New Mexico because I'm a rural kind of guy. Oh, nothing, nice. nothing, nothing particularly hateful about Albuquerque, but you know, I like my my country places. I still got to see a damn mountain lion in the wild, which I've not seen in, in the West yet. Um, we don't really have them in Connecticut. Now, <laughs> the you don't, need, you don't need to see a mountain lion, especially if you're hanging out with my kids. Okay, just okay. Way. All right. I, well, my I'm, big golden retrievers I'm, I'm would always protect scared me. of them. <laughs> but number one, uh, number one click, and I do, you know, you could say, oh, this is just sort of tabloid stuff when you include these these clicks, Mr. Muska. But I, I do like to include something about Albuquerque that's relevant to the socioeconomic dumpster fire that is our our biggest city here. And what I linked to in the, the, the Daily Blast this morning was an Albuquerque Raw, very kind of a short piece, but, but I think it encapsulates a lot of the problems here in New Mexico. Uh, according to a criminal complaint, Albuquerque police officers were dispatched, I guess, to uh, a, a studio apartment complex in reference to a shooting call. Officers there found a toddler who had three toes severely injured. A toddler, the kind of, what do they call them, adverse childhood experiences, ACE, the kind of things that can just destroy a person for life. The toddler was transported to the hospital, UNMH, with non-life-threatening injuries. So that's good news. But the trauma of this will go much deeper. Uh, Samantha Sanchez, the mother, I guess the, the egg donor, and the boyfriend, Mr. Apachito, uh, the boyfriend, not the father. And if you look at the statistics on having males around children who are not their biological offspring, the percent increase in injury and risk to children when they are not around their biological father. I mean, yeah, there are bad mothers that are bad fathers, but generally speaking, your bio dad is going to charge at that lion before he lets anything happen to the kids. Uh, this was the boyfriend, not the father. They were in a domestic fight, they admitted. Uh, she didn't want him at the house, and so she pulled a gun on him. The two struggled over the gun. The gun no. discharged. No, the criminal no, complaint no says that uh, the woman told officers the bullet ricocheted off something and hit the baby's foot, a toddler, a toddler, because these two complete wastes of space oh. couldn't get their romantic life straight. So they got involved in a domestic, a gun was pulled. And now a toddler has uh, a, I would say, severe adverse childhood experience, probably mentally far worse than the damage that might heal to the foot. And, uh, you know, I just get these examples out because uh, it's just uh, another example of, of, of what, how much we have to go in our beloved land of enchantment to uh, see to it that these kind of things are on uh, are kept to a minimum. But this was our Eddie, this was our number one yeah. click story because That's I think people true. understand just how bad things are. Well, and on top of that, you know, I just think about the, the chances uh, for her success are, are are dwindled to almost zero. I mean, unless she gets some. This is why you have uh, some government services and nonprofits uh, do the type of work because of you know a holes like. Uh, like her parents uh, who've done what they've done and there's, there's no, no nothing that can stop that you can't mm. you can't stop stupid it's just it's terrible just to hear how a three-year-old is basically shot 
And, and what a lesson. If daddy's not, true. if bio dad's not in the picture <laughs> yeah. and abusive boyfriend is in the picture. Right. So you learn, what, what is this young child, male or female, learning about men? They either run away or they beat women up. That's a great lesson to learn at a young age. Oh, my gosh. All right. Uh, <clears throat> Eddie, great to hear about your commercial real estate experiences. Very hard to break into that business, and you simply broke down the door. Nice going, and you would have been the greatest mayor ever. Wow. People were ill-advised to not voting for you. J-Man, I appreciate that. J-Man! Uh, let's see. Uh, Evernote.com. Oh, yeah, remember Evernote. Um, Doubt, I'm sure you've dabbled in that at once or oh, twice yeah. in your life. Uh, app website desktop works really good. Initially created for both business cards and receipts tracking. Allows for both to be searchable just off the picture. Cool, very cool tech. I use it all the time. And that's from our techiest uh, listener, by the way. Thank you, K-Man. Uh, my first job out of college was for Micron Computers. Remember Micron? Oh, yeah. Oh, yes. Great company, by the way. Great reputation. Uh, they sort of just missed the boat, I think, if I'm not mistaken. I was tech support call center over at Balloon Fiesta Park. I did so many OS reinstalls over the phone with over 65-year-olds in Florida. <laughs> Let me go. Remember the guy that in tech support would be on you with you like for an hour and a half? Yes. You remember that was like a thing. Uh, it was. A, Don't hang up on me. Don't hang up on me. I'll lose a <laughs> number. I will call you back. One guy thought his subwoofer was his modem, and the feedback was the modem sound for <laughs> dialing. <laughs> modem sound and video cards, the worst. Uh, yeah, sound cards would just kill your computer because uh, you'd get the what was known as the blue screen of death. Uh, oh, oh, uh, oh. If the operating system couldn't recognize or you were going with some cheap, you know, Taiwanese, Japanese, Chinese uh, manufacturer who had something that there was no way it was going to fit into that OS mm -hmm. on the motherboard. I I'm at the best tech guy of my life who's been with me. He runs my website if I ever start writing columns again, if I ever have time to write columns again, because I got hit by a porn bomb yep. um, because I was looking up and I was looking yep. up a leopard print miniskirt. All right. Because I had I had read in an article about Laura Ingram, about how her career was she got rocketed to the top of the conservative punditocracy yep. because she was in the New York Times magazine in 1995 on the cover wearing a leopard print miniskirt. And I said, I was in Washington then. I don't remember reading that article. So I went searching for it. And the porn guys got me and wrecked yeah. my whole computer. <laughs> yeah. No, they, it's just fishing. And, and there's so many uh, ports that are open, pockets that are open and behind uh, the lines. Um, I, I constantly encourage people to just go to the same things and continually uh, clear your history and your cash daily, not weekly, not monthly. Don't let us like you go up and I'm, I'm so amazed. Like I can jump on my parents' computer and it's like the last year of stuff that they've looked at. I was like, Oh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to check out my uh, parents' mental health. Let me just go through their history. You know, what are they looking up? Oh, they're looking at that. All they do is they look at real estate. That's pretty much what they're It's like, well, look at that. Oh, and my mom is really into like shopping. Or like home decor or some 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 other junk that's out there. Uh, what do they call this? The state stuff? No. Uh, Jenny Roberts here. I miss XP. You know what? I still run on XP. Oh wow! Did I tell you that? Yeah, I run on XP on my Dell computer, and it's impenetrable. You can't get through to it because I've got all the ports. Because I know how to manually control the ports and shut them off. It's really easy. And once you can do that, there's just nobody who can ever get into that computer. So I, I do love that. I made labels for my honey and soap business. Tons of graphics, too. I miss XP. XP was easily the most uh, stable. XP and XP Pro uh, that was there. And then they graduated to, oh, God. They started going to Windows 8, 9, 7, 8, 9, 10. And yeah. it's, it's never been the same. They want me to download 11 on my mainframe here. And I'm like, I'm uh, not going to. If, if I'm working fine as things are. I'm not taking a risk and doing something new. <laughs> Packard Bell, a.k.a. Packard Hell. Worst <laughs> EOS I ever worked on. Oh, there's no doubt about it. It was. 
the absolute worst. So, um, <laughs> as bad as a trash eighty, a TRS eighty. <laughs> oh my gosh, the Radio Shack stuff and the Vic twenty. <laughs> do nothing. I do. I, I will say the they everyone just tried to do the Commodore uh, sixty four, right. and uh, that's about where you just needed to stay. Anything beyond that was too much. Eric doesn't even own a computer, by the way. He just like he uh, he and he runs on a uh, don't you run on a uh, an, a grinder radio? You run a grinder radio. Watch. Look at this. Let me show you. Look at this, Dowd. You're gonna love this. How does he get my emails if he doesn't have a computer? Uh, he he comes on. My, he gets on my computer. Oh, it's okay. a winder. It's solar power. A cell solar power. Sweet. Yeah, it's pretty cool. I love that. That's what I love about him. All right, back out to top of the hour news. Thanks for listening. Right here in the Kiva. This is the Rock of Talk on AM 1600 KIVA Albuquerque. Rockoftalk.com here for hour three. And me and the Dowd makes three, 3,000 right here with a little Lenny Kravitz, uh, which, uh, by the way, uh, on this day in 1998, he released his fifth studio album. And it features, of course, that very hit right there. Yeah, that was 24 years ago. And, uh, folks, I have to ask you, how long has it been since uh, we've been into the danger zone? Yes, uh, well, uh, quite quite a long time. And, Next Thursday night, I'll be going to the danger zone. Dowd, uh, you're gonna love this, baby. Look at this. Look at this. You're gonna you're gonna love this. I'm all ready for my. Uh, oh, no. <laughs> I'm all ready for Top Gun. Oh, um, I got my Iceman T-shirt. There, there you go. go. Straight out there of New Mexico, go. Val Kilmer. New Mexico's own Val Kilmer. That's right. Uh, Just gotta... close your eyes and you can see the the volleyball ma- match, the most <laughs> homoerotic scene in all of American cinema. Uh, it might be actually I think <laughs> of anything worse. I think, uh, I, and, and if you just look at that's, that's what America cinema, American cinnamon cinema needs to be. Uh, yeah. And cinnamon, uh, as well. Uh, now take it to stage cinnamon. Uh, no, I'm telling you, I am so looking forward to that next week. I am so looking forward to that. I read a couple of early reviews. They were yeah, very positive. Is it positive? Very Did positive. Get- yeah. If you need motivation to get to the theater for a little red, white, and blue, you've got problems, folks. So just, oh, man, Ooh, just get chills. They're feeling that good. If I cheer out loud and I start like yelling in the middle of the movie, you know, like you know, like black people. Have you ever gone to? You ever gone to movies with black people? Uh, Eddie, I lived for a number of years in uh, Washington D.C. Oh, okay. So, so you know, like they talk at the screen. 
They, they do. They literally just are talking and you, you get them. Yeah. Whoa. No yep. way. You know, it's like the whole, I'm going to, going to be for the same for uh Brown boy and, and white kids everywhere who are cheering on, uh, you know, Iceman and Maverick and Goose and Merlin and, you know, all the rest of the, uh, the rest of the guy, Hollywood. Yeah. That, that, speaking of homoerotic. Yeah. Those guys, you, you got the whole gist. That was the first time I became painfully aware that um remember the uh, don't ask don't tell policy yeah uh, that was my uh, first introduction to that was uh, hollywood and his uh, uh sidekick remember they weren't at the bar scene somehow where they were in the plane they went down early they went down in <clears throat> flames sorry <coughs> i got to learn how to do radio man i really got to learn how to do radio got your horse right here <laughs> really um i'm entertained sometimes just listening to myself yes uh, hard to believe yeah uh, let me read some final text and then we'll let uh Dowd, uh fly away and take it away i i sent Dowd a uh, text text alert uh, by the way uh, so he's got that and i cannot wait uh for Dowd to be just a little bit happier uh i i have i have not i've seen Dowd one time this year but his mood does affect me if he's not happy <laughs> If doubt ain't happy, ain't nobody happy. All right, my son collected business cards for his Cub Scout collection. He was always a nerd. You got to collect business uh, cards. Like the most important thing. Uh, hey, Eric, can you grab me the business cards there? Do you want to? Let me show you something. They're right there on the top. And I just want to show you guys something. You can keep uh, track based upon the number of contacts. Yeah, just I just need one. I just need one. So you tie the tie these things in, and I just downloaded Evernote. Oh. On this whole entire thing. Yeah, Dowd, he's got, you still have your business cards, right? You have them? Oh, yeah. yeah. Okay, good. I just want to make sure you got them. I don't know why the animal, the chief legislative officer of animal protection voters <laughs> is on the top of my pile. I guess those were back in the days when I would be up at the roundhouse where I may, might never go again. I'm not vaccinated, of course, so. You always know exactly where I'm going to go. Um, Yeah, so as you leave, uh, uh, take one, leave one, leave one, you know, whatever, give one back. You can put them in chronological order. Um, on the front, I don't know if you ever do this, ah, and yeah. it's got this sort of fascinating way of just when you look, and it's something that I did that actually helped me. So I look at the first person that comes out of this one. I'm like, I know exactly there, and I can place her face based on the card. Serious? Sure. It's a weird thing. Have you? you can you do that, Eric? I bet yeah. you could. Yeah, different things. Yeah, it's a visual aid. That's the best thing. That's why you want to have the handy dandy cards and just always roll through them. It's like, how did that guy remember my name? How did they? That's what closed the sale. Oh, what's your name again? You look familiar to me. But by the way, I did call uh, uh, the uh, offices of uh, Dr. Oz's competitor to share the photo, and they were not very receptive to me calling them. I said, I need to speak to your campaign manager, your director for communications. I said, I think you need to see this. And uh, I was uh, dealing with uh, one of the plebes there, and uh, it didn't go so well. So they did not get the information, and I don't really much care. So um, that's about as far as I'm going to press. Well, I would, Eddie, I would certainly think some of the the socially conservative people in Pennsylvania would be interested in that Santa Fe event, let's call it. Yeah. Yeah. <sighs> well, uh, if you feel so moved, feel free to, I'll, I'll give you the address and you can, I, I, I sent them a link uh, to that and I didn't uh, provide much description. If they don't care enough about it, they don't care enough. If, if that your constituent services, and I'm going to tell you this, okay, because I worked in the constituent office for Jeff Bingaman, for Democrat. And if your LAs, which is your legislative uh, 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 assistants, 
Is that right? Legislative yep. administrators or legislative assistants. Yep. Yep. And your LCs, your legislative correspondents, if they are non-responsive, your whole entire time up in Washington is totally worthless. Yep. The quality of the people that you hire and their ability to follow, if they're just there to pad their resume, those are the last people you want in your office, okay? We had this guy that was in uh, Jeff Bingaman's office, and his name was David Pike. And he was uh, sort of coordinator of all of the, um, I think he's a writer here uh, locally. You might want to look him up, P-I-K-E. He writes on the history of New Mexico. But one of the things that was so great about him in Virginia, who ran um, Bingaman's office, and, and Jeff was a, Jeff Bingaman was a very, very decent man, unlike uh, <clears throat> some of the offspring that uh, they had, uh, uh, who run uh, Michelle Lujan Grisham's uh, and finally left, thankfully. Maybe they finally got uh, out of there. Um, they were very good at making touches. And very good at giving people, which is what I did, giving people tours of the Capitol, giving people tours of everything that was up in Washington, D.C. That is That means the world to the people who fly all the way across the country. And you can take them to the statues of, you know, like Pope, or you can take them to the statues of uh, Dennis Chavez, or you can take them to the Capitol. And then at the very same time, it's the nice touches of, okay, well, what is your issues? What are you interested in? Those little touches, those people go back. And guess what they do? <laughs> They become little block activists. They become neighborhood activists. They become little, and it's just like, oh yeah, I was in Washington D.C. It, it that's the way Washington D.C. makes those people feel, Absolutely. and it's so incredibly important. And and if you try to reach out, if that's the way they're going to run their office over the the competitor for for Dr. Oz, then then let Dr. Oz in there. I mean, honestly, Eddie, I, the one thing that all multi-decadal successful federal politicians have in common. Republican, Democrat, their constituent services operations are impeccable. Yeah, you, you've got in, in order to to be, I think, um, institutional, if you will, like your name is iconic. Your office was institutional. It's always built around just a great uh, camaraderie of the people who work there, uh, the longevity of the people who work there. We had a guy by the name of Mad Dog. And then there's the history and the people uh, that work under them and they have to have complete and total respect for the office and for the people. Like if they even found you drunk, if they found you uh, going out and doing something like, you know, other people were like encouraged to like, go out, go party, go hang out with all the people on the Hill and stuff like that. I didn't do any of that because Virginia said, don't do any of that stuff. They catch you over there and they see that you're out or you're carousing. I wasn't even of age yet, but they see that any of you are doing any of that stuff. They'll just send you home. They don't care because they don't need you there. <laughs> So uh, I wonder what the internships look like uh, like going forward. And you met all the a-holes that went to like Duke and Yale and all the rest. Oh, they didn't have to worry because their dad would always bail them out. Uh, I, have, I have a feeling, Eddie, on your first day as an intern in D.C. lately, you're asked immediately, what are your preferred pronouns? Oh, yeah. That's probably, that is probably the litmus test to, to pass through. I happen to catch a conversation over at the Starbucks. And um, I'm not going to go too long, I promise, Down uh, Just a couple more minutes. And these two people were sitting outside the Starbucks and they were basically hosting a radio show. They were, and it was the most annoying thing in the world. These are like the two people in Washington, D.C. And it's right off the steps of, uh, of the Capitol, the Supreme Court in that area that was right there. And they were giving, uh, they had no idea who I was. I could have been anybody, right? And truly I was, they didn't know who I was. But they were talking so loudly and boisterously and giving their view of what's happening in Capitol Hill and What's Tim Scott? I'm like, guys, do you have any, any idea that I could literally amplify what you're saying right now and just, you know, par you know, basically broadcast it to the world? What's the number one thing in Washington, D.C. if you're going to ever work in there? 
keep your mouth shut, period. Because you never know. And especially at a Starbucks, they were hosting a radio show about what the Republican Party is going to look like in 2024. I'm like, you. this is why Republicans don't have power all the time. Because you can't uh, stop talking about how much you know to people that you have no idea who's listening. And I literally have a pretty good viewpoint that there's a tremendous amount of turnover in Tim Scott's office of South Carolina. Interesting. Yeah, just all by just sitting there at Starbucks uh, drinking some water, uh, watching them. I was, I was As always, so- Eddie, uh, it goes back to all I ever needed to know I learned from Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross. Never open your mouth unless you know the shot. Oh, that's, not, that's good. Uh, baby formula is being sent to Biden, uh, sent by Biden to border for illegals. Is that still the case? Uh, that, that, that makes the most amount of sense. Uh, I'd like to get your uh, thoughts on that uh, baby formula shortage. I compared it to the oil stuff, uh, Dowd. There are pallets of formula on the border ready to be shipped out of the country. Uh, Eddie, it's so obvious. There's no fertilizer. It's all by design, depopulation. How's the fastest way to do it? Making sure that formula, it's the second most important thing to breast milk. I mean, Dave Chappelle's done a whole entire skit on it. (laughs) Cambodian. Uh, preach it brother. So much common sense and people can't see it right in front of their eyes. At least that's half the country of legal aged adults that are idiots. Unfortunately, I believe things will only get worse as long as this Obama 2.0 administration is in charge. Honestly, the whole rotten bunch of them are treasonous. I've got a speech to play from Obama before we run our, through our top five. It'll take all about 40 seconds. Don't throw your cigarettes out the window, Eddie. And he's literally sending me all of the plumes in Northern New Mexico. If you do, we can blame the fires on you. And Trump had his time. You know, I see more. I get more of these all the time. I get these every single day. These texts are coming in and you guys are seeing it. What I was thinking, Eddie, is how do you find the time to be in a relationship and get married while being governor of the state of New Mexico? I don't get it. Trump had his time. He's over. I agree with you 100%. So uh, there you go. And uh, last one. Eddie, you're a beacon of normalcy in a world gone mad. Very nice. All right, Dad, let's get to your stories, shall we? Uh, yeah, this was, uh, I'm going to take a national story that went out today, but I'm actually going to try to loop it in. And I think I'm going to effectively be able to do this to uh, a, a New Mexico politician that I'm sure a lot of our listeners like. I have mixed feelings about her, but I'm going to start with the bad guy. <laughs> this is this is the bad guy. The Republican Party, I mean, Donald Trump really, you can love Donald Trump, you can hate Donald Trump. Donald Trump did something that was truly beyond just defeating the Bush political crime family and defeating the Clinton political crime family. I mean, he shook up the core of what conservatism is and what Republicanism is. Uh, he, 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 he brought something very new and something very different to the issues really with him on those two issues. I think his greatest service was in bringing to the fore the classic American interpretation of foreign policy, which is good relations with all. We wish the best wishes. We invite you to come and tour our wonderful country and uh, we'll we'll have great relations and we'll have trade with you, but we're not Globocop. And when Trump got into the failure of Iraq, which of course was perpetrated by a Republican president, that was tremendously risky. I mean, Donald Trump, you think, insulting the last Republican president, who by some measures was a successful president in that he beat Two Democrats in 2000 and 2004, he ended up leaving in complete disgrace. But uh, George W. Bush, a lot of Republicans to this day love George W. Bush. He got a very high percentage of the Hispanic vote. And for Trump to repudiate that and and talk about the damage it's done and the veterans coming home or not coming home, as it were, uh, was pretty amazing. And, And what Trump did was revive the old 
going back to the 40s and 50s, really, uh, America firstism, which is our job is not to police the world and we don't send young men and today young men and young women off to die for these nebulous concepts like democracy or you know settling some other country's internal squabbling makes absolutely no sense. Uh, Trump, to his great credit, probably the best thing I think Donald Trump has done has revived the American America first spirit. But the old order, uh, the Washington order, the neocon order, still exists. We saw 100% of Democrats in the House vote to give $40 billion at a time when inflation is out of control. And a lot of mothers are worried about feeding their babies uh, and gas prices are out of control. $40 billion to this fight, this intra-Slavic conflict over there in Eastern Europe, which is none of our damn business, uh, in my opinion, and, and a lot of other people who've been looking at these things for years. The Republican Party, as, as, as transformative as Trump was on this particular issue, uh, it's not settled, okay? The old guard still exists. People like Arkansas Senator Tom Cotton, a Republican, still exist. Uh, he gave a recent speech, I think it was at the National Review Institute. National Review was very Neo Conhe, uh, and a review that was in the Daily Blast today, which you would get if you were a subscriber for 20 cents. Uh, you can subscribe at uh, rockettalk.chat. Throughout this speech, Senator Cotton dwelled on the idea that government should seek, quote, to preserve the blessings of liberty, close quote. But there has been nothing more harmful to the liberties of Americans than the permanent warfare state that Cotton extols and defends. The United States, as many of us have noted for a long time, we are extraordinarily secure from physical attack. To the east and west, we have large oceans. To the north and south, we have countries that don't have a habit of invading other countries. Uh, Cotton has been one of the chief fear mongers, exaggerating foreign threats from every direction in order to demand increased military spending. The aggressive policies he promotes will sooner or later ensnare the U.S. in costly new wars against Iran, China, maybe Russia, if not stopped. Cotton embodies everything that is wrong with Republican foreign policy today. His militarism is antithetical to American freedom and American interests, and most earlier generations of Americans would have recoiled from his ideas in disgust. That's a, a great piece, one of our most clicked links today. And I've been searching, we had two days ago, we had the vote on the 40 billion, as, as I mentioned, every Democrat, good liberal Democrats who used to be against, I'm old enough to remember the 1980s when liberal Democrats were opposed to the military industrial complex. They were very uh, adamant about uh, not sending weapons and arming countries all over the world. You know, they were very concerned, of course, Central America, not far from our own country. Their big thing was Nicaragua and El Salvador and all of that. But I think if we had some 80s Democrats around, maybe some of them would have opposed it. Interesting, uh, Lonely Girl, our beloved Melanie Stansbury, I mean, to vote to send $40 billion to Ukraine. Uh, Melanie, that's money that you could spend uh, you could spend uh, funding teenage abortions here in New Mexico. So what, you'd think maybe she'd be more, more concerned about that. Uh, 100% of Democrats, most Republicans voted for that $40 billion. One Republican, it gives me great pride, and I'm commending her now, and you're not in the habit of hearing me praise politicians because I think they're the lowest form of life on earth, uh, Yvette Harrell. Yvette Harrell, um, Republican um. congresswoman. Uh, from our second congressional district, uh, I guess the second congressional district is about to be altered. It's not kind of going to be the same shape it was there. It's a little gerrymandering going on, but we'll leave that issue for another day. Uh, she voted against it. One of, I think it was either 56 or 57 Republicans who said no. I was praising a Missouri senator the other day telling you know, the, the local paper, my constituents don't want this. They're concerned about the issues here at home. So I've been looking for Yvette Harrell's comment on this. This was a big vote. She issued no press release. She has a press release page on her website, but she did release a couple of tweets on this and they're 
you know, tweets so they don't take up much time. I'm going to read you her three tweets on her vote. Uh, she's not running away from this vote, even though she didn't issue the press release. Three tweets is, is pretty good. Uh, first one, our quote, Yvette Harrell, quote, our borders are crumbling. Our community is becoming more dangerous due to crime. Thousands of lives are lost to an opioid epidemic, and our country is sinking deeper into debt. We must tackle these serious issues at home before bankrupting ourselves with more foreign spending, close quote. That was her first tweet uh, regarding this $40 billion vote. Second tweet, quote, the American people did not elect us to pour their hard-earned money into a conflict halfway around the world, especially at a time when they struggle under Biden's skyrocketing inflation, high gas prices, and baby formula shortages, close quote. That's tweet number two. Okay, we're going to wrap things up with tweet number three. This is her final statement on, on this vote, this momentous vote. Quote, having previously voted for substantial aid packages to Ukraine and sanctions against Russia, comma, I cannot in good conscience rubber stamp President Biden's demand to take $40 billion from American families and send it overseas with little idea of how it will be spent, close quote. Uh, again, folks, I'm not in the habit of praising these people, and uh, I will say uh, she is to be commended for this. Uh, one of a minority of Republicans, uh, the, the only member of our congress congressional delegation who opposes this uh, this madness, not really thrilled at her past support for Ukraine, but you know what? Uh, better better to be a repenter than a continued sinner. She got this one right, Eddie, and the Republican Party and the conservative movement, you know, I'm a libertarian, I'm kind of outside all this stuff. This civil war on this issue, which is going to be of more and more importance as Russia and Ukraine continue to slaughter each other, China potentially gets more aggressive, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. This debate is far from over. Who is going to ultimately prevail, Tom Cotton or what I hope uh, is an American for America first posture from uh, Yvette Harrell? It's the great gift that Donald Trump, I think, gave to the gave to the Republican Party by reviving America first, a, a notion that just resonates with a hell of a lot of Americans. And, and most of all, in many cases, the, the military folks who've been sent abroad and they've seen the dysfunction of trying to win someone else a civil war. They've seen their buddies get hurt. They've been hurt um, physically, emotionally as well. So I'm going to wrap this up, Eddie, by saying Kudos to Yvette Harrell, but this fight is far from over. Guys like Tom Cotton still have an enormous power in Washington, in the Republican Party, in the conservative movement. Uh, this is not going away, and it's going to be very interesting to see the Republican nominee in 2024 because this guy or fella is going to have to fall more or less on one side of the fence, the America first side or the old George W. Bush Let's uh, make the world safe for democracy, no matter how many trillions of dollars, no matter how many lives it costs. Uh, we are going to, I think this, this split could even widen moving forward, Eddie. Uh, it's just, I take a little small victory in knowing that one New Mexico politician is getting this one right. Well, she's getting that right. Uh, they're getting it down uh, right down in the second congressional district overall and in terms of managing resources. And, uh, you know, she is a marginal uh, 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 win uh for southern new mexico this go around because of the redistricting so it's going to be close uh i've spoken to experts or i should say the expert uh, on this and it will be it will be close uh for her um if there's anybody that uh, you're looking to help on the congressional side uh, i would definitely be helping her i would definitely be trying to help uh, louis sanchez say uh, louis sanchez has got a hell of a, an uphill climb 
uh, once he comes out of the primary, and he will come out of the primary, no doubt in my mind. Um, it's going to take every little bit uh, that you guys possibly can to go ahead and, and keep her in there, and I think that that vote is very important. Uh, down to, I think, three out of four, you know, that's astounding. <clears throat> Glenn Beck was on this morning, uh, seemingly doing our show from a few days ago, where we were, you know, just how much more could we possibly spend? Um, I went and I looked at the most expensive wars in history this morning and uh, the cost of wars, the 13 most expensive wars in, in today's real dollars uh, really is what we were looking at. And, you know, um, it's already the seventh most expensive war in the history. The only thing it trails are ones, uh, folks. <laughs> yeah, uh, it, we've spent more money even in today's dollars than the American Civil War did. And in real 2019 dollars, uh, it's exactly what the Civil War has cost us, and we've done that in two months. They had uh, 750,000 deaths total north and south for a duration of four years. We did that in less than two months was how much we've already spent upon this. Uh, next, we'll eclipse the Persian Gulf War once we get to $116 billion. And this is all in 2020 dollars, by the way. World War One, $381 uh, billion. And if it quagmires uh, over a year, and that's... I don't know if there's a true definition of quagmire uh, in all of that, uh, but I would probably say anything that were an elongated uh, war over a year. Um, I can tell you that uh, this is going to be probably the most expensive conflict aside from World War II, uh, which uh, in today's dollars is uh, $4 trillion, $4 trillion. The war in Afghanistan was nearly a trillion over 20 years. The Iraqi war was exactly $1.01 trillion, and then the most expensive, World War II, at $4.69 trillion. I think this will probably go uh, uh, on that. And I guess in, in that regard, saying that the only thing that it trails in terms of money is World War II, I guess, Dowd, we would be able to call this uh, truly World War III uh, at that point. So. It, it is. And, and, and what has increasingly saddened me, Eddie, is to see, uh, you know, the, I got sent a story the other day of a little boy who was killed in a river, the refugees right. trying to cross the river. And it, this sounds extremely callous, um, but if you are pouring resources, material, war fighting uh, devices into Ukraine in a conflict that's either going to inevitably kind of be a stalemate or Russia's going to more or less prevail to the extent that they achieve the goals that they that they have whatever those specific goals are to the extent that we are prolonging this conflict and leading to more death and more pain and more suffering and it sounds like that's a very cruel calculation and so well it's easy for you in new mexico to say oh give up ukraine there's a phrase kicking around a bunch of old right conservatives america first conservatives are using it and, and they're basically saying washington wants to fight russia to the last ukrainian uh, we are seeing, we are making a, a an economic <laughs> uh, sacrifice to fund this uh, country that that I think to some extent has been wronged. Although I, it's hard to find the real good guy in all of this. Yeah, uh, I disagree with that though. It, 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 been wrong. It, it's it's it, it's awfully easy for the Tom Cottons of the world to talk tough and say oh. we're standing up for democracy while we're funding people who continue to die. It's not Tom Cotton's kids who are going to do the dying. Uh, nobody with the name of Bush or Kennedy is going to die uh, in, in, in that kind of a conf conflict. And uh, it's I just think it's incredibly short-sighted and hypocritical. And boy, yep. it's kind of the ultimate virtue signaling. You can sit in Washington, yep. you can appropriate other people's money yep. to help somebody else fight somebody else and call yourself a wonderful person and have your little Ukrainian 
flag on your Twitter feed. And uh, I, I guess, Eddie, uh, my mind is structured a very different way. I see things very differently. I think a majority of the people actually do as well. Again, we can go just with the bare basics, which is they can't identify where it's at. They have no idea what, what it's about. Uh, they don't know how this uh, conflict. I mean, if you would do nothing more than watch an hour and a half of Mearsheimer and understand some history here, you'd realize that this wouldn't be something for us to be involved in. And if uh, we're letting bygones be bygones or we're not picking sides here and just kind of looking at this as a, you know, sort of statesman, uh, not what's in it for us and a casual observer. And yeah, sure, we don't want the calamities. Uh, hey, look, you guys need to play fair, no war crimes. And they're ad- accusing each other of war crimes. And right, right. This morning, um, I know that the, uh, and I was listening to Clyde Lewis uh, early this morning as I woke up. And he was talking about a uh, particular uh, sign that they're carrying. Uh, you might know it as the Jolly Roger, uh, which is what the pirates use. And so the Ukrainians are actually uh, mass killing Russia, Russians now inside uh, Ukrainian borders. And let's not, let's not forget that Ukrainians were committing genocide within their own borders, though there was zero reports on it. And uh, Dowd, I was um, just taken aback by what uh, he was talking about because I didn't know anything about what as as i do many times with clyde he he's always educating us he's always giving us insight and foresight and you know uh keeping us uh, up to date with the things that uh, we aren't paying attention to and he was just talking about just how ruthless and and cruel the ukrainians that have been to the russians inside so uh, that that being where where it is if we're looking at this and we're saying okay well we know both sides are going to commit these atrocities and both sides are because it's war um, is it better to have Russia come out of this or is it better to have Ukraine come out of this economically for the world economy and for the overall good? And there's zero doubt. I don't, I don't, I don't contest this one time with myself in coming to this decision. And it's an easy decision to come to Uh very, very easy. I should say, do we want a Vladimir Putin in the world or do we want uh, Vladimir Zelensky? I'll take a hundred times out of a hundred, just looking at this in terms of the amount of control, the amount of peace and the amount of things that have been done. It's much better to have the uh, uh, Russia to come out of uh, this as the winner as opposed to the Ukraine. And I'll stand by that statement and argue with anybody on it simply based upon the Mearsheimer, the continued growth of, uh, I think today there was two different powers. Um, I think um, two Scandinavian powers who wanted to jump into NATO because they want the benefits of, of being involved in NATO. Uh, that, that's all they're looking for. They're just looking to go ahead and get protected so that they can go out and, you know, shoot their mouths off and then, hey, we're standing behind the United States and they'll throw money at anything for any reason. They cannot believe, they cannot believe the ultimate riches, $68 billion. If we were to look at the biggest economies uh, in the world, let's just look at largest economies, just so you put this in perspective. And this is the way to look at this, largest economies in the world, okay? This, this is incredible. We've given 68, $68 billion. Of the top 25 economies uh, in the world, let's go down to, let's go down to, uh, I don't know, Australia. We've given one-tenth of the nominal GDP of Australia. That's where we're at right now. Switzerland. We've given essentially, I don't know, uh, one-eighth of what Switzerland is in terms of that. And Saudi Arabia, yeah, the oil-producing giant Saudi Arabia. Their economy is seven hundred billion. We are uh, about one seventh uh, of that. So you have to think about that. And you also have to think about the NATO is not counted in the total number of dollars that comes in aid directly. And no one's talking about this. I mean, it's like, well, how do you slice this up? How much NATO is going directly to help 
uh, the Ukraine. Well, already this year alone, if I'm not mistaken, they're already about uh, 32 billion in addition to the 68 billion, which brings us to the cool 100 billion is uh, where we're at. So that's what you have uh, coming in uh, overall. That's what we've given them. And let's not forget that it's the United States that gives four-fifths of all money uh, to NATO. And it was Donald Trump who says Germany has to pay their fair share. I think the only other country that was paying his fair share, or there's two others, I think was the two co- countries that couldn't afford it, which was Italy and Greece, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, I think that's what it was. I'll take a quick call uh, for Dowd and I. 550-5500. Caller, go ahead. Yeah. So, David, let me get out of those. Two things. Two things. One, on the fires and the government related to the fires. But first of all, on Dowd's uh, narrative of biological versus non-biological fathers or parents, uh, I don't need to give you any names, even though it's fair game because it's public record. It's crime in New Mexico. It's on the court records. Um, just one example. So, uh, the stepfather that uh, moved in with my children uh, is no longer their stepfather. They divorced after being married for 10 years. They divorced because he came home drunk at four in the morning one night and attempted to uh, uh, have some non-consensual sex and uh, beat up and assault um, her. And my son, at 15 years old at the time, came out of his bedroom at four in the morning to see what the, what was up. And uh, then he was assaulted and battered. And these were five charges, uh, two of them felonies. And so that, and that, that is a, an example of a non-biological stepfather uh, living with somebody else's children. So fires. Um, well, I got to throw a comment on the, this 40 billion, 100 billion, uh, whatever it is going over to Ukraine, that money is going over, uh, you know, same as the old whatever, uh, that money is going over there so that it can be funneled back into the pockets yeah, of right. the people. Yes. Yeah. Right. Your, your government is no longer your government. It's It's been completely taken over. It's been completely taken over. It's completely illegitimate. It's time for you to follow the directions in your Declaration of Independence. These people have completely gamed you, and they can't do anything right as evidenced by your forest fires. I I, I texted you this, so Eddie knows what I'm going to say, but for the last 100, 120, 130 years, your your government employees and electeds have completely mismanaged the the forest. They They couldn't have done it worse if they were trying to make forest fires. And, 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 and it doesn't affect me because, well, presently, because I moved out of the forest, but the only way it affects me now, uh, so I don't care, let it burn. But except that uh, as somebody who likes to go to the forest for recreation, your, your, your New Mexico and other state forests or forests in other states are completely unreliable and worthless in the summertime because you can't plan any trip. You don't want to plan any trip from out of state to go to some forest because by the time you get there, they'll probably have closed it because of fire danger and without any notice whatsoever. And your and your trip is completely blown. And it doesn't have to be. You could the the, the your forest could be completely safe so that you could drive down the road throwing lit matches out. All, all along, all along the way for entertainment, and the only fires that would start or should start would be little grass fires because fire has, you know, in 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 the natural way, fire has come through 
uh, you know, every five years and, and clean things up so it's impossible for the canopies to catch. But, they, but, but if you're not going to uh, do that because there's homes in the area, then you need to do the work of allowing people to get firewood and, and uh, loggers yeah. to come in sure, and sure. do logging yeah. and clean it up. So, right, but so the bottom line is, the bottom line is your government is completely illegitimate and it's time to completely replace it. And this, in this modern day, we the people can actually manage the government without the government. Yeah, and so I would agree with that. I think I know Dowd uh, would as well. But let me say this. Let's go back to a point that you made, which gave me an idea, Dowd. And let's just look at this in terms of identifying a problem for gubernatorial candidates and, and frame it. And this would be amazing. Okay. COVID started March 13th, 2020. We know during that time, there was no problems whatsoever, whatsoever in terms of you going out into the forest and being able to... Uh, thanks for the call, David. I'll have you listen offline because yep. we got to wrap the show. Um, Dowd, if you compound the number of foreseeable future here in the state of New Mexico that our forests are going to be our forests, excuse me, are going to be closed, and then go go back to the shutdowns that Michelle Lujan Grisham has had, and you look at northern New Mexico and the total devastation, you can take an aggregate devastation number and probably put it somewhere north of over the last two years, 25 months, are we, oh, tomorrow, tomorrow's 25 months, exactly to the day. Over the last 25 months, what proportion of 25 months has New Mexico been either under COVID or national disaster uh, lockdown? We've been the worst. And then you couple that and then shoot this to Ron Ketty's campaign, shoot this to anybody who can amplify this. And I think one of the things that would be, I, I think, you know, what Mark should do, okay, given sort of where the, the race is and the way things are going, is he would be better to direct those dollars going out and attacking Michelle Lujan Grisham if he wants to do it right now during this time that there's an election, okay? Rather than spending it on anything that's inside, um, you know, the marketplace. If you were to take a total time sample, I would say that New Mexico has been close to 85% shut down during that entire time. If you were to take it each day, if you were to grade it that way, or if you were to grade the number of businesses and how long they've been shut down, there's got to be something on those numbers. I wouldn't know how to dig into those numbers, but um, can you imagine that commercial during this primary at this time, how that would absolutely devastate her? Or yeah. do like, uh, and this would be out of bounds. I mean, the, you know, the, the, the McCluskey group can, can take some of this, if, if you will, and then run an ad on TV because none of the other guys can run an ad. Anyway, take some stuff, run the ad, take Michelle Lujan Grisham out since now on a TV ad, do a special marriage, quote unquote, wedding commercial during this time where Ron Ketty comes out and he talks about the weather, right? And he talks about the fires and he talks about them all moving. Like he's the weather guy. Take, take, take responsibility for that, right? Mm -hmm. Just standing in front of, of, of that map because that's, a visual, northern New Mexico, that's what he knows. He knows those those places and those things. And then just attacking Michelle Lujan Grisham and say, hey, it's an 85% closure uh, over the last 25 months. And if you did that, I'm telling you right now, you, you, you would freak her out to the point that she would not have a wedding. Um, and she might, after this broadcast today, she may not have that wedding. She'll probably cancel it. Um, she's going to have to. She, she doesn't have a choice, actually. There is no choice here. But imagine how devastating that would be and how unconventional that would be. The, the benefit being, at, as Republicans, you have such a dominant candidate in the early polls that comes out that he decides to take his money 
and just dole out $100,000 to attack Michelle Lujan Grisham with a preemptive strike. It would sort of be like a, a preemptive invasion. What do you yep. think? That? Almost Clintonian in, in its mastery there, yes. Like uh, how about how about the contrast of the hot fires with people freezing in food lines back in the winter when, when her spokesperson was saying yes. those are Republican yes. talking points where we have pictures all over the state. We could do a heat miser, cold miser, you know, yeah. kind of thing. Yeah. No, oh, I, uh, it's, uh, no. Uh, yeah. Take her out. Take Zaza out. <laughs> all right. Uh, all the best ideas. We're top five uh, brought in uh, to the Kiva at rockoftalk.chat. He's going to race through this in uh, 40 seconds, folks. He is a Dow 3000. Let's go. Uh, yeah, number one, of course, that terrible toddler story we talked about earlier was number one. Number two, new fire station being built in Bernalillo County in the North Valley. Uh, number three, the Navy is screwing up shipbuilding once again. Uh, number four, we talked about it a couple of minutes ago, Tom Cotton, the worst Republican probably yeah. uh, in Washington. And number five, and I'm really proud of people for clicking on this, the war on smoking is a war on you. I always stick up for the smokers, Eddie, and I always will. <laughs> there you go. All right, we'll see you tomorrow bright and early, 4 p.m. No show tonight. I'm hanging out with my kids. See you tomorrow. This is The Rock of Talk on AM 1600 KIVA Albuquerque.